just totally come in one day, just ASMR style. Welcome everyone <laughs> live to Bearded, Bearded Drums. Drums. We were thinking about coming at you all ASMR style this week, but after after a little a little thought, we thought it after, might be just a little weird. Yeah, after much. Uh, What's it? Deliberation. Yes. I, can't, I, I, I can't. My words are, are all tongue tied today. <laughs> it's all right. So welcome, everyone. It is Thursday as usual. Thank you for being here with us on Bearded Drums Live, your weekly live drum nerd podcast, the best damn podcast on the Internet. If I do say so myself, Jared might disagree with me slightly. Um, I mean, it's, you know, well, it's, until we it's get, debatable until we get. One of the a single sponsor. Yeah, it's debatable. We are we are not brought to you by any cups that I might have on the table or anything like that or anything behind you. Yes, really. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> we are not sponsored by Gretsch, nor are we sponsored by Sabian, Saluda, or... <laughs> Pearl, uh, the Funky Blue Shack. No, we're not sponsored by them. We are not I'm... really. I mean, I've got a couple of band posters, so maybe I could. S- Sponsor myself, but one day we can only hope. So thank you for being here with us this weekend, as usual. And remember, as always, I have to bring it up every week because that's what you're supposed to do, is to remind everybody that if you want to hear the audio-only version of the podcast, we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Bearded Bearded Drums. You can catch the audio-only version if you don't want to use up all your data or if you're like me and just like to listen to a podcast while I'm working on a project. It is the perfect way to go about doing that. So this week, not so much cleanup to do like we did last week. Uh, I think we've got a normal flow of uh, guest input from the viewers. Um, My stories are probably a little bit shorter because I don't have that much going on this week. You had quite a tumultuous week. I know you don't want to talk about it on air, so I'm not going to push that, but I know you've had a slightly stressful week. It's slightly stressful today. It's no this yesterday morning. No, it was this morning. Yeah. I keep forgetting because what get happens out. when things happen. Yeah, two o'clock will never be the same. That's all right. You know things go on. So, you know every week can't be a great week. No, I had a rather aggravating week last week dealing with other things than drums. So, it's all right. But you were on time. So maybe if terrible things happen to you every week, you'll be <laughs> I'll be here on time. <laughs> you'll be here on time. Please don't push that upon me. <laughs> It is just Jarrett and I coming to you this week. Uh, no special guest this week, although we did get, uh, get really good reception on having a guest. Um, two, three people remarked to me specifically that they felt it opened up the conversation and kind of, you know, obviously with one more opinion being input. So I, I would agree. I thought, I thought it went really well. It was our longest podcast to date. Yeah. Um, but you seem to enjoy asking Derek questions. He seemed to like answering them, even though we might have put him out of the box at some point, you know, yeah. being that he's a guitar player. But everybody seemed to really like it. So we'll be doing this again. Um, I don't know if we want to do it, I don't know, every other episode or every third episode. We'll figure out, a, you know, a good um, rhythm yeah. to do that on. But we will be bringing you somebody soon here again. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, the great Hugh at some point yep. will have to be brought on, as well as the great Ray Hanser, as well as Cedric, as well as Pat, Pat, as well as Phil. I mean, the, the list really goes on. Doc and Momo's going to have to get on here at some point. 
Um, so, but just for this week, being a light week, uh, we're going to come to you just as me and Jared. Episode 11, we are starting to chug down the line and get these under our belt. Yep. And it looks as though, do you know your schedule for next week? I am off. Okay. I'll double check tomorrow. So we are on regular schedule pending a double check. Um, So as far as right now, next week, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central, as always. And if I can get somebody on the phone, maybe a guest, um, if we can figure out a good topic for them. So, But for this week, it's just as usual, Jarrett and myself coming to hang with you. Um, To get started with our weeks, I know you've had... A terrible start to your week, but do you have any... I know you got some drumming news because you text me, and I was too busy. By the way, that's all that was, is I was busy yesterday and the first half of today, so that's why I didn't text you back, but I figured, as usual, we can talk about it here. Yeah, um, you're fine. So you've got some drum news regarding your custom-built uh, kit from... Swindle. Swindle Drums, that's right. Yep. Uh, so what I currently got going on is he's got... Everything from like the whole trade and by perspective, he came by, uh, I guess it was earlier this week. My time, everything is he was in oh, this past weekend. He picked up the 67 Ludwig Hollywood outfit that I had, so he's got that now. He's got that, uh, super sensitive from wait, starting over. I was rolling up my headphones. What did you just say? He picked up the, the, the Ludwig, what the Hollywood, the blue sparkle. Oh, yeah. he did not go with the gold sparkle. No, it went with the blue. Interesting. Yep, he got the blue, the 12, 13, 16, 22. He, um, he wanted the Jazz Fest, but I told him, I was like, well, what if came with like a Superphonic? And so I was like, and that Super Sensitive is basically a Super. No, 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 sir. Without that, the, yeah, that, that was, blue sparkle is here. Yeah, well, that the whole thing, I was going to give that to you regardless. Tis not leaving. Yeah. It's awesome. It fulfills the very traditional Ludwig sound for me like when I think of what a Ludwig sounds like that one being that that was what actually was with even though I don't think they came with it in, during the day um, with my kit uh, that was what came with it with my dad yeah and I don't know what I in my god-awful 20s did it might have been the hurricane that got it I don't know but either way I lost it um, so I'm glad to see that he went with a Ludwig maybe he just liked the bigger kick drum so that's why he wanted the 22 as opposed to the 20 because that 20 is killer yeah, but that that twenty two, I had that thing. Yeah, smoking. In <laughs> uh, the words of uh, Hugh, it was scary. Scary. Um, he got that kit, and then he got the super sensitive that you uh, oh, made, the, made into the convert. A, yeah, the convert into an to a super. All it is is just the the throw off mechanism change. So he's got that, and then I paid him leftover cash, and he's got all the hardware. He's got all the holes drilled. Excuse me. <laughs> Because untied. Um, and then it's always getting out because he probably had to order the screws. So as soon as the screws come in, hardware's going on. We're recording some demo stuff for his website. going to be doing soon. Uh, That's on the 30th of this month? Yep. Be next week. Well, I'm glad you're still on track to do that on time because yeah. I know you've been, number one, waiting a while, yeah. um, which is fine. But, uh, you know, you get close to the end, you're like, man. Come on. I'm so I'm excited. Ready to, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> and so the way that we're going to be doing the video is kind of cool. So he's got this guy named Colin. I can't remember his last name. Plays for a local band in Hattiesburg who's kind of did some like touring around nice. the southeast called Golf Dad. Ooh. Um, they do kind of like shoegazy rock kind of stuff. Shoot. I know what 
Fugazi is what is shoegazy? Shoegaze is a like style of just like rock music. Um crunchy guitars, but not super crunchy. Um very melodic. Very like it's 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 less dark than what you think it is. Okay. It's, um so you you would probably like shoegaze in some some, ef- form. some effects, yeah, in some form. Um he's a really cool guy, really cool drummer, and he just got a eight by fourteen or seven by fourteen cherry stave drum that uh everybody is on that stave kick man it is such it is what they the kids this is what they call sweeping the nation yeah the stave craze is definitely everybody's in that game now uh you have a wonderful piece um that snare that swindle and that yeah also swindle that snare drum that he made for him so nice sounds really really good he does Um, a good job he really does um and actually because i'm not going to bring it up um during the fan section we were talking about, we were explaining stare, uh, stare, stave, stave versus regular, you know, ply shells to Derek last week. And um, Charlie Smith, all the way across the pond, was very cool and sent me a, like, an article or a finding from a, I want to say maybe it was from a school. Uh, he even said in the description, he's like, it's really long, long. you don't have to read the whole thing. So, <laughs> Don't worry, Charlie. <laughs> I didn't. It's, <laughs> it's multiple pages, but I'm, 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 I've already glanced over the highlights, and I'm going to read the whole thing. So, number one, Charlie, thank you for sending that in. Charlie sent us in a PDF of a study of the effects of sound on a snare drum, depending on what it's built out of. Oh, sweet. Like stave or ply, you know, the, uh, the, the different uh, materials. Um, and it really <laughs> goes into, like, depth. That's what I like to read. I, I will send you, I will airdrop it to you when we're done. So, number one, thank you, Charlie, uh, for going out of your way. And uh, I, like I said, I kind of glanced over the highlights thus far, and it was uh, interesting enough to be like, okay, well, now when I have some time, I'm actually going to read this. Yeah. Um, but it's it's many pages. Um, so, thank you for sending that in. That is some true commitment to the game. Oh, that yeah. is why you are a legacy member here at Bearded Drums Live. So, thank you again. Thanks, but, Charlie. Um, anything else? Uh as far as what's going on in Yo Drum World, um, that's it, really. I mean, um, he likes the practice pad you built. You got the yeah. You got the thwack on it for a minute. We can, uh, you know, I need to permanently put that in here, but we can produce some. Uh, what were they called? Patty O pads or Patty Saint pad? Patty Saint Patty. bearded Patty pads. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, <laughs> So Michael, if you're <laughs> Michael, if you're watching, I'm I have the picture. I need to properly load it up permanently. Patio beards, yeah, patio practice beards. pads. Yep. Get it, Patty, Patty, um, patio beards, practice pads. Uh, thank you, Mister Michael Benson, for coming up with our company logo. We can produce more of those. Um, everybody, everybody that's everybody that's seen it's like, yeah. dude, they're sweet looking. And he was like, that's what a Remo wishes it would be. And yeah, you know, I even noticed it right before I got my delivery this week, still working with my old pads. I was like, man, I just, that up uh, yours would have been perfect. Anything else than the two I have had. And I've only become to hate them even more <laughs> as the other day approached when my new one came <laughs> in such a fake bounce. Um, but anyway, I'll get to that in a minute. So, that's pretty much it. Um, you weren't there Sunday. Nope. You had uh, a dentist appointment early Monday, so you couldn't be there, which I totally understand. Because I had it a was, dentist uh, appointment, and then I had to go to work afterwards. Yeah. And that was not fun. I was we so had, tired. We had, a, we had a fairly good time. I can't think of anything at the Juke Sunday that happened that was noteworthy. 
Um, but we did. We had a good time. I got to play with a cool musician like you did the previous week um, right at the end, so enjoyed that. Um, and I think I would say normally that, you know, I ran right out of there, went on home. No, I think I stayed till like, 4.30. Even without me, you stayed. Yeah, I don't know what... Oh, this never happens to me. Probably because I don't talk to people. Yeah. Probably because I don't like people, but... You don't. I don't. I don't like people at all. I like all of you. Um, <laughs> I like Jarrett. like Derek. That's why they're here. I like my girlfriend. That's about it. Um, but I don't talk to people that much. Not to be rude or anything. I'm just... Everybody knows... You know, I'm, if I know you, I'm going to come up to you and say something. If not, I'm probably pretty standoffish. Yeah. Like three different people at three different times. Like I got off the first time and the guy was like, what is that kick drum? Is that, a, that an 18 or is that a 14? I was like, no, it's a 16. Oh man. I used to, whatever the guy that he like ran monitors for like, and he started spitting out these names for famous country people from Nashville. He's like, I'm just in town. Came here, you know, after the weekend to kind of cap it off at the juke joint. And he's like, I ran monitors for all these blah, blah, blah. And I actually knew a couple of the guys that he mentioned and uh, he's like, uh, we got done with the first set. He's like, is that a converted floor, Tom? I was like, no, that's a 16, like a regular 16-inch kick. He's like, wow, I've never seen anything like that. I'm like, a lot of the companies do it now. It's a, you know, we all know that's a yeah. fairly common thing for them to do a 16 or even what's the new little Gretsch, the micro. Is that like a 14? No, the micro is a 16. Okay. Um, the, only one, the only people who make a 14 is... The uh, Sonar? It's No, Sonar does too, uh, but it's O'Derry. Oh, okay. they yeah, do yeah. The, the cafe kit. Yeah, yeah. And it's all 14 with the double. Well, he was freaked out. You know, he was like, wow. I'm like, and I'm, I, it makes sense because if he's doing like some of the big names he was yelling out, John Otto, and I forget the girl's name he mentioned, but big acts, they probably have a 22 or a 24, like a big stadium kit. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, you know, anyway, he's like, um, let me buy you a shot. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> then we go have a shot and we talk for like just a couple of minutes <clears> and then he left. And uh, surely enough, like maybe 15 minutes later, we're about to walk on stage. They're like, yeah, the drummer. I'm like, yeah, you know, if you want to come up and sing or play anything, you know, come join us. That's cool. She's like, let me buy you a shot. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> and then I get to the bar at the end of the night and another person comes up for whatever. I'm just not used to like. I, I wouldn't even say I'm not used to all this attention. I'm not used to attention. Yeah. So for three different people to be like, hey, man, you're the drummer. Got to buy you a shot. I'm like, yeah. So, of course, I was kind of lit and had to hang out <laughs> at the bar for a little while to kind of cool off before I headed home. But uh, but it was fun. It was a weird night for me, I guess, because you weren't there. Um, the sun shone directly on me yeah. without you taking the sunlight from me and casting me in your shadow of greatness. Um, oh, I'm flattered. <laughs> so it was fun. We had a good night, even though you weren't there. Well, I'm glad. I definitely missed y'all. Dakota messaged me. Did he? And he's like, he's like, what are you doing awake? I was like. Can't sleep, man. It's like, I don't go to bed till 6. I've been trying since yeah, 12 yeah. o'clock. It's like, I'll put on ASMR Nerd, there shameless plug for keyboard clicking sounds, and then <laughs> and then I'll wake up, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'll put on rainy sounds. There you I go. Rain always does it for me. Always does it for me. But, yeah, he, he asked pretty pretty early, you know, is he coming? It's like, no, nah, he can't. Can't You can't do it every Sunday. It's not expected of anybody. No, and that's the first one I've missed. In a while. I think like a year. It's been a while, for yeah. sure. But we will, we will soldier on, and we will do it again next week. And I'm off Monday. No excuse. Nothing planned. I don't even know what will be happening this weekend. My gig for f tomorrow got canceled. Oh no! Um, double book, which happens. Um, and you know, I hate to lose out on money, but you know, 
not much you can do about it. So yeah. I, don't, I don't get mad about those anymore because double bookings really rarely ever happen. I mean, it's really not that common. So when it does happen, it's like, oh, obviously some mistake was made somewhere. Yeah. Um, so back on for Saturday, and then I'll see you on Sunday. Sunday. Yep. So, But, yeah, for this week, uh, regarding myself, we had spoke last week that I had a couple pieces on order um, from Sweetwater. And I got those into week, uh, in all this week, and they came in, in a couple of different uh, deliveries. Um, so before we even go to that still, I totally forgot that we should go ahead and thank our benefactor, the original Patreon, who I saw on Sunday and got to play with him twice during the evening, Mr. Watson Nord, the original OG benefactor of the show. It was fun, as usual, playing with him, actually getting to play with him twice with two different guitar players, so it was fun. Uh, to see him, but anyway, um, now that I saw him at work this past week, did you? I was very surprised him, and then because he doesn't typically go to your casino, right? No, um, he had the whole crew with him. Um, it was him, and then I'm blanking. Not not Danny. What's his name? We saw the kid too. Uh, Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I said. I know it's not Danny. Oh, I thought you said Daniel. No, yeah, Daniel Johnson. Yeah, Daniel was there, and then his. Buddy from Colorado, uh, Stetson, or touch with an S. I'm terrible with names. Great with faces. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were all there, um, having a good time. I'm sure. Yeah, I was putting up Tito tickets and working at the bar. Some machine kept going down, and <laughs> I walked by, and then I just see, and you know how he is. Like you see him on Sunday, like with his jacket and everything. I saw him with like a fluffy coat. Oh, and nice. His, and his hair in a big bun. And I'm walking by, and I'm like, who is this guy just jumping around in flip-flops? And then Easily spottable from a mile And then all the next thing I see is a face trying to go, I hear, yeah! I'm like, that's Watson. <laughs> Easily recognizable <laughs> from about 500 miles away. I, I love hanging out with Watson uh, whenever he decides to come out on Sunday. So, uh, Always a joy. Um, but anyway, uh, now that i got my pictures loaded up, um, so this week, like I said, I had stuff coming in from Sweetwater, and the first thing... Uh, and the thing that I was not expecting to be that surprised out of, and I'm actually more surprised out of, is the brand new Pearl Roadster Throne. I can't remember the model of the one I bought. It's like the base model. It's not the fancy gas-operated one. It does not have the built-in shock absorber. It's just the regular spindle Roadster. And I think really the main thing about it is the uh, seat, like the actual seat cushion, um, which I believe they call Core and I don't know what that stands for. It's like whatever comfort organization rah, 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 rah. Um, experience. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but got that in this week. And of course, you know, came in beautifully packaged by uh, Sweetwater. You can see the picture here up on the screen. And uh, of course, I, you know, immediately set it up and got my height matched up to my other throne and sat down. And of course, it felt comfortable. It's a brand new throne for $200. It better feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, but then the next day, cause this was like later in the day and I was getting ready to go to Rachel's. I knew I would be messing with for the rest of the day at least. Uh, but I get back here and the next day following practice, or, you know, the following day's practice, man, like after, even though I, you know, I don't sit at, at most if I'm practicing at home, it's like two hours. Yeah. Maybe three, but if it was three, I'm going to be getting up and down a bunch. Uh, grabbing something to drink, coming back, practicing, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not like really glued to it the whole time. But I did that today and noticed that like even after a couple of hours, it was like one thirty to 3.30, I, did, I couldn't feel anything. Like like even though I have all comfortable thrones out of the brands I have, 
after a, like a four-hour gig, and especially a hard-hitting gig, I notice I get up sometimes, not that I'm uncomfortable, but I can tell I've been sitting yeah. for a while. So it's not like it hurts, but I can tell that I've been sat on a chair for two hours. And this, after the two-hour period, I was like, wow, I don't really even feel like I was sitting that whole time. My butt's not sweaty from working out the whole time. So I, it was super comfortable, and I had been griping to you lately um, that I haven't felt... Uh, bounced yeah. on my throne and you were talking about how height and I actually went through a bunch of videos this week on YouTube all about drum throne height and I was right where I was supposed to be based on what they tell you you should be factoring in how comfortable it is and they say that you know if you're doing this you need to be about here if you're this tall you need to be here but all that is balanced with obviously what's actually comfortable for you yeah um, so I was like well I'm right where I'm supposed to be and I noticed like today, I was doing a bunch of two over two exercises and three over two exercises. Um, and every time I would be working back between the hands and the feet, I didn't feel shaky. I didn't have to use my butt cheeks to bounce. Me. Like, I felt really good. And I told you when you got here, it might be the weird shape of that, that first chair, yeah. Tama, um, because it's not quite bicycle. So it doesn't like come to a point, but it's still kind of angled. Yeah. I think that always kind of pushed me to the edge where you, I guess you would be prone to be a little more unbalanced. This one I could actually comfortably sit back on the middle of it. And I played the whole time. It was super comfortable. And uh, like I said, I didn't notice that I had been sitting down after a couple of hours. Yeah. And I felt really balanced doing hand-to-foot workouts. So if anybody is out there looking for a new throne, I would put up for consideration any of the Pearl Roadster series. They have a bunch of models, and um, they have models like the Rockin' Socks that have the gas operation. They have models that are spindle, like mine. They have another model that's still spindle, but it has like a shock absorber at the top of the spindle. But I think the main thing to get away from or to take away from all of these Pearl Roadster series is they basically reworked the actual padding in the seat and it's multi-layered pieces that are like the layers of foam. Some layer of the foam is thicker than others. So it's supposed to really absorb the shock. And I would say that it does a really good job of not only being comfortable, but being comfortable now that you've been sitting for quite a while. And obviously even though most thrones are still comfortable, yeah, you wouldn't notice you have been sitting. So Highly recommend that if anybody is a pearl player or just looking for a throne and you don't really care about what brand matching your stuff, the pearls are really, really good. And of course, Sweetwater always does a good job getting out quick, um, giving me like the little call 10 minutes later. Hey, man, just making sure you place this order and I'm going to get it out and sending me free candy. So uh, thank you, Sweetwater, for that. And definitely check out the Pearl Roadster series throne. You got to sit on it. Was it not a treat for those? It was of it yours? was it was lovely. Um Cause I've been, cause I just got that other rock and sock last year. So I have two, like at home and practice and everything. Cause I have those. I have two kits set up across. I have one in my little studio um, with all the other drum shenanigans stuff I have, and then I have in my like little living area, my TV and stuff. I have another kit in the corner. So if I'm like sitting there watching TV. I'm like, you know what? I hear something on. I'm like, there's a cool idea, whatever. All I have to do is just hop over and then bust it out and then just walk back and do whatever again. Um, but I also keep my practice pad over there too. So I'll sit and play and then come back and do whatever. Um, 
And they're both walking socks. And like I said, I like them, but at the same time, there's just I don't like the bass part. I know Charlie mentioned about getting like a Gibraltar bass or something for it, yeah. possibly. And then, but I mean, having my eye since you mentioned the new Pearl one, that is really comfortable. But then also watching guys talk about the new, well, not they're not new, but they're new to me, like the big wide uh, DW yeah, yeah. nine thousand one. Yeah, yeah, I know it's only really heavy, but for me, it's it's wide. I'm a big dude, so I need a little. And I think that's got four legs. Yeah, it's got four. Yeah, so it's like. You know, super sturdy, but yeah, I mean, the, everybody. My thing with the rock and socks is, I would consider like the rock and sock is kind of like the BMW of drum thrones. Like, it's super classy looking. Like, yep. you know that somebody took the time to get a good piece of gear. When you see, you walk up to a kit, and it's like, oh, he's got a rock and sock, so he's obviously cares about yeah how he sits. They're super comfortable, but they're just super comfortable in a typical like fashion. They're covered in cloth, and they've got probably regular, like that off-white foam that yeah. you find in all furniture and seats. It's probably just got regular, but which is completely fine. The only reason I'm that surprised with the Pearl is because, you know, obviously this just came out, what, last year or whatever, when they reworked that series. So they've had time to, like, look at these multi-layered, different density foam seats and come up with a scientific, you know, there's probably some... Yeah, and the market's it. definitely shown, like, well, here's what guys have been complaining about. Yeah. With the other thrones, and so they go, okay, well, people don't like this. Well, we have all these other people who have not wasted time, but have done all the R and D for us on one side of it. Yeah, probably called like a dude from a car company that makes seat padding for BMW, Mercedes, something high end. Like, what are y'all doing as far as making sure these seats are multi, you know, or you know, massively comfortable? Yeah, I um, mean, it is. It is really comfortable, so I'm, I'm super happy with it. Um, there's nothing wrong with a rock and sock. There's nothing wrong really with anything. Mm. Only ones that I think are really ones that you got to stay away from is that forty nine ninety nine special. Yeah. Uh, the regular, like m the one that I use to prop up the laptop. Yeah. It's a Tama, like literally like the Tama forty nine ninety nine. Uh, you know, just has the regular Tama logo. It's not like a first chair or anything. And I was using that for in the practice room or in, in the other room when I just practice on the pad. And I could only do like I do working on whatever I'm working on like 15 minutes I had to get up and walk around the room once just because yeah. like it's not comfortable so if you stay away from the super cheap one other than a nightstand uh, I think you'll be you know just like most things you spend good money on a product you'll get a good product oh yeah um, and you know everybody knows Tam makes good stuff Pearl makes good thrones DW's in big into thrones you know they all have a nice offering oh yeah um, so really happy with that you can check all their stuff out at Sweetwater you can find it anywhere yeah um, it's Pearl of course and then the other piece that I got in this week was my brand new practice pad by ProLogic's American-made practice pads. This is the proper picture this time because <laughs> this one has the black rim. And I really, really have to admit that uh, um, I hated the pads that I had. Like the real feel. I'm sorry, anybody that uses real feels, which, the, you know, it's not, it's not that they're like horrible, but in comparison to when you get something really nice, I have to admit, the real feel just feels very terrible, and it feels terrible in the sense that it gives false bounce. I would work singles, doubles, paradiddles, and, like, say, flam taps for, like, an hour, doing all of them from 70 BPM, using 16th notes as the count, all the way up to, like, 155. And by the time I got done, I felt really warm. My hands and arms felt really good. And then I would come in here to the practice room, on a regular snare drum and you could tell instantly it's like oh no i have to work a good third harder 
to get the the stroke I wanted out. Yeah. I've only used this today. <laughs> it came in today at two twelve thirty, about ten minutes before I would have started practicing anyway. Um, maybe twenty minutes. Um, so about one o'clock, I got the pad on the thing and I just start going to town like I normally do. Started at seventy BPM, flam taps, bam, all the way in by three thirty, which is about the time I went to go get something to eat. I was like, okay, now here's the test. Walk over to the kit. And uh, I started doing, again, two over two, three over three, the triplet shuffle, um, all those little things. It's like you if, if, there, if you weren't warm, you would know it. Yeah. Like to play a triplet shuffle or to do, you know, threes over twos really quick at like 90 BPM using uh, 16th as the, uh, as the count. You would know it if you weren't. You'd be like, oh, I'm not warm. And as soon as I did it, I was like, wait a minute. So I stopped what I was doing and I started just playing paradiddles all over the kit and then like going to the snare, which is obviously going to have on that snare drum because yeah. it's got the cloth on it. It's got the, the least amount of rebound. And it, I almost, it almost felt matched. Like I might have had to work a little harder, but it was nothing like the real feel or that terrible Vic Firth that I had. Yeah. Um, so the, let me grab it. So the Pro Logic, this is really, really nice. It's, again, not that it really matters, but it, it, I like to help out U.S. companies. It's USA made. It's made out of a very nice piece of wood that they did a good job sanding down. And like I said, I got the medium resistance. Yep. So I think the teal or green colored one is the standard, Yeah. you know, yep, the standard feel. Yep. And then I stepped up to the medium resistance because I did want a little workout. And... Uh, it's accurate, man. Like the, the the rebound off this is not <clears throat> pure rubber, so it doesn't give you that instant like full force blowback. Yeah, which is like you know a snare drum's not going to do that either, especially a floor tom. It almost feels like it accepts some of the, your strike before it gives you the rebound. So I, I like the way it feels. It's really well made. I think it was fifty nine ninety nine. Um, probably the same price, uh, price everywhere you go. Um, but really well made, really, you know, uh, just, it doesn't have any like crazy, oh, it's got a built in USB drive and yeah. it's got a flashlight. <laughs> it's, it's just a practice pad. So yeah. most practice pads go a little overboard. It's just a wooden practice pad made in the USA, but it's really accurate as far as the rebound. So I highly recognize, recognize, Jesus. recommend, <laughs> recommend the pro logics, American made practice pad and show the backside real quick. For anyone who doesn't know, the backside, this funky color, they uh, recycle and use old plastics and rubber. I'm about to say for, it looks like the, what they make uh, playgrounds out of. The, yeah, the, so that's the what floor. they use. That's what they use for their grip. And, they and also, I like that because then once it sits on the, if you like in a practice with it on your snare, it'll sit flat and won't kind of be rocking back and forth, and it'll mute the snare. So I like I like that. Or really, whatever you're going to set it on. Uh, you get it, and you get the the higher, more articulate sound. So, you guys that are out there who also do a little bit of marching chops or anything, and you also play drum set or anything else, that's a it's a really good alternative to have two different playing surfaces. I'm yeah. a big fan because they also like have a, probably a great workout on the side. As far as having to whatever you put in is probably what you have to take out. Yeah, they're uh, they're marching pads. Uh, they use for their bass drum and tenors and uh, snare that, drums. It's, that's all that is because you get very articulate very precise so yeah. if you're going through making sure your doubles are clean with six other guys yeah, yeah. you're gonna know yeah yeah um and i i noticed uh i was playing pretty clean today um so 
probably just because I was excited. Like, oh, new pad. So I'm like probably paying a little more attention. But it felt good. Um, the rim sound on it is great. Um, it fit on, you know, it filled up. I hate when you like you put a, a practice pad on a snare drum stand and you have to wrench it up so much that they're like the claws are all the way on the side. Yeah. This pretty much lays about 14 inches flat. So it spreads the claws out and it, you know, nothing's in the way when I go to yeah. start practicing. So super happy with that. Really just not that I was trying to buy any gear, but just two pieces of things that I needed. Number one, both of my practice pads sucked. Yeah. And I didn't notice it, how bad it was. Cause I know it had started splitting my Tama first year throne had started splitting at the seams. And I didn't notice it till I got it out today to use it as the, the, the throne in the, in the room when I was practicing, I looked those seams are almost ripped to the bottom. So oh I had to, I had to, yeah. and it, I've gotten, God, a long time out of that, more than five years out of that throne. They're so. solid chairs. I mean, they really are. And it's not even the base is fine. It just needs a new top. Yeah. It just needs a new chair, like actual the chair pad. So I, that gives me a nice backup if something ever happens or what I'll probably just be practicing it on yeah. you know, when I'm in front of the TV. So that is what I picked up this week. Like I said, I'm not trying to purchase anything, just uh, stuff that had to be replaced. And we all seem to not mind buying brand new stuff, but when you have to replace something, you're like, Oh, I don't oh, want to yeah. spend the money. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the deal is with that. Having to replace something, all of a sudden, it's not that fun anymore. I, the next thing I really have to replace is my gig fan, like one of those workshop fans that kind of you know you can angle the end at you and it just blows air at you. Uh, I need one so bad, and I don't want to spend the fifty bucks to re- to replace it, well, even though that's probably the most important thing. Well, don't do what I did. I bought one at Lowe's and then. Got home, got everything packed, got to the gig, and then realized I didn't have my fan. I left it at Lowe's. <gasps> yeah. Oh, geez. And I got a really nice, fancy one, too. Like, And s- you never went back, and it's like, no, nothing's oh, here. I'm man. like, no. So it means that. Oh, that sucks. And it was one, like, the real fancy. Yeah, the Lasco. It was like fifty bucks. Yeah, and it had like because I got the one that had the most like high output. And yeah, yeah. Area. I was like, so whoever's next to me, they can get some residual fan too, because those had Felixes at the time, and it was. And based on where I know most of the guys that watch us constantly are from, I mean, I know y'all get summers there as well, but summers in good old Mississippi are just a tad bit spicier than it's sticky. <laughs> sticky. It's, it's like it's like if the heat could. Form a person and sit on your shoulders. Yeah. That's what it feels like when you're here. So for us, those kind of workshop fans are just like, I don't know a drummer around here that doesn't have one. Uh, you have to have one. A regular like oscillating fan will not no. work. You have to have those crazy like workshop fans because here and what, what it's April 23rd today or whatever, 22nd. Give us a good month, yeah. and it'll be starting to get really warm by the time we get into August and into June, August, and September. Yeah. Oh, man, it's just going to be – I'm ruining T-shirts. Yeah, when I sat day. in for uh, for Phil for that gig at Felix's, yeah. um, it's the feel, I, I didn't have the fan. And so the gig started at 6 o'clock. I had sweated through my pants. My khakis were now a dark shade. By 6.07. By, yeah. <laughs> I think after the first set – um. I had to go, this is really inappropriate, but I had to go try to find, like, gaff tape or whatever because I was chafing. Cause oh, my, really? Because my shirt was completely, I was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, oh, soaked yeah, all yeah. the way through, pants all the way through. I had a, a backup shirt and stuff in the car, so now we got done with the gig, took Brandon home, uh, <laughs> and then I changed shirt and britches because I was, I was soaked. 
and I was wearing flip flops too, playing barefoot. Oh, that's horrible! And I was just like, I'm just so unprepared. No, I was unprepared. I was like, I was, I was prepared for it to be hot, but I was not prepared for how wet I was going to be. <laughs> it's like it's horrible. Dumped a bucket of water on me. It's like, all right, congratulations, have fun. You know, we've got about another month of it being temperately okay here, so I'm good with that for now. But it's gonna get hot, and I'm, I'm ready for it. So it's time to. Re- to replace the fan, but you just never want to spend the money. It's like, I'd rather have the snare drum that I don't own, but if, Oh God, if you got to replace something uh, that yeah, you already own. exactly. <laughs> and my snare drum, uh, hunt has still yielded no fruit still on the hunt for a pearl maple master series or maple gum master series 14 by 5.5 in the natural finish. There is none to be had. There is the black diamond pearl, and there is the like tobacco faded white yeah. marine pearl, and they're both nice, but they just wouldn't go with everything that I own. So I've just I have surprised at myself that I have remained patient, I guess, and not pulled the truth. There's like a masters, just a regular masters maple complete, yeah, in the same uh, finish, in the same size, and then somebody's got a nice used masters sst so like five or six years old in black kind of like yours but yeah. in pearl um and i've taken everything i have to not just been like well just grab them just get the one you want just wait i know that's what i'm doing i keep telling myself every day just like it sucks and nobody has the one you want but you just wait and eventually a natural 5.5 by 14 masters maple gum will uh, present itself yeah and i have the cash in an envelope so it's like It'll be done. It'll be paid for. No financing. Um, and then I'll be closer to not being perfectly happy, which is, I think, all of us are never perfectly You can borrow happy. mine if you want to. Mine's on the shelf right now. It's a good snare drum. It is. It's a great snare drum. Um, maple is king. Maple gum is emperor. Yep. <laughs> um, so before we get to uh, the viewer pictures for the week, uh, what we got going on in the comments section thus far, if anything, Oh, we got a good bit, Stephen. Well, take us in, Jarrett. Mark Whittenden, good looking, good fellas. Looking forward to the show. Richie, if anyone. Hold, please, hold, please. Sorry. Mark commented to me on Instagram that he enjoyed last week very much, but that he was chuckling every time we go to the close up shot because (laughs) all you can see is these huge broadcast microphones. Let me tell you something, Mr. Mark (laughs) Whittenden. I'm just joking. There's nothing we can do. These big old, because really, we do come to you live video format on YouTube. But really, this is all a podcast only, like audio only setup. Yeah. Uh, We just happen to have cameras where we can go live. But these get pushed out to, I tell you every week, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And this is what we have to have for that kind of audio setup. Like a really small, regular vocal mic would not sound as good as these broadcast mics. And then we kind of have to put the windscreen on them uh, to take out the plosives, the P's, the S's, the T's. Yeah. Um, so when you see this shot, and I know all you can see is the big microphone, that's just how we have to do it. I do know it's funny, and it's kind of funnier because the GoPro kind of squashes Jarrett a little bit. It's not like the cleanest reference because of the wide angle of a GoPro lens as opposed to when you're looking at us here it's a little more normal and then he looks like he's coming at you in that shot so (laughs) there's nothing we can do about it but uh just wanted to let Mark know that's why you can't see anything (laughs) when we're we're talking so anyway back to starting with Richie 
We got Richie. If anyone on earth could be in that third spot in the left side of the screen, who would it be? If anyone on earth, I'll tell oh, you. Oh, that's a good. Um, all right, go ahead, Jarrett. I'll tell you mine. You know who I want to be on here? Like, on earth, music-wise, I would love to have Steve Jordan just. Yeah, I think besides the fact that it would be Steve Jordan, I think it would just be a good conversation. Yeah. Cause like he, a good, normal, natural conversation. Yeah, because he's, he's so laid back. And I think having him on, be able to talk to him, and like a very, like you know, like, Relax fast. Like, you don't have to push anything. We can just talk music, grooves, gigs, yeah. whatever you want to do. Video it's games, like, pizza, who cares? Yeah. You know, what are you doing the weekends? You know, I really like to put on, you know, you know, like Alfreda King and just, like, relax to some good old music. All right, cool. It's like, you know, what's your setup for your turntables? Do you, are you a vinyl guy? I actually like tapes. All right, cool. You know, it'd be, I would only be just, you know, what do you do on a regular day basis yeah. besides just look cool and play really well? Like Because I would, I would, you know, and that's like... We have to think about that when we talk about people that we're going to possibly bring on to the podcast. We know a lot of really good drummers, but we, number one, know some drummers that don't like being on camera. Yep. And then we also know some drummers that just aren't that great conversation-wise. So it's not that we wouldn't bring everybody we know on, but I, I and he know who would make a good conversation. So I think that would actually, because I mean, guess obviously you could say something like, oh, I want Carter Bofer, I want Stanton Moore, I want Steve Smith. I really wouldn't want any of those guys as famous of drummers as they are. I would want to bring Buddy Rich back from the dead because he was kind of a jerk. Yeah. So that wouldn't be a very fun conversation. I'm kind of like thinking like you are thinking like Steve Jordan, massively awesome drummer, going to go down in history as one of the greatest producers slash drummers of yep. all time. Um, I think that conversation would go well because in the, it would be like you'd, one minute you'd be talking about snare drums and the next you're like, oh, well, I love tater tots over french fries and then it's an you know like i think that could kind of organically go anywhere yeah so i'm with you on that i would say and only because you brought it up i would have not cared normally and and under normal saying circumstances been like i don't want to talk to that guy on my podcast it's going to be annoying well we watched several videos the other night <laughs> of thomas lang i was i was going to call explaining his it. kit but really he was it wasn't even like licks and gear it yeah. was really just him talking about like his home setup and what he does there and what he does on a daily basis. I want Thomas Lang in here just because he seems like such a personable dude. So genuine. Very genuine. Obviously a storied history, so he's gotten, you know, no shortage of content he can talk about. Yeah. I just think that kind of like Steve would be an interesting conversation because he'd be like, well, when, when we're talking about these concert toms, wait, do you like halibut or do you like, like it would just yeah. <laughs> shift <laughs> exactly. very quickly, you know, when he's talking about concert toms. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I, so for me, definitely Thomas Lang, Jarrett, definitely, uh, uh, Steve Jordan. Steve Jordan. Um, let us know in the comments if it was a perfect world and you had somebody you could shove on this podcast, who would you put up here with us? Not that anybody famous is going to be coming on anytime soon unless we get astronomically lucky. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I hope that covered it for Richie. That was a great that was a really suggestion. Good, good job. Oh, man. yeah. See, Mark says, I've seen quite a few bass drum conversions where 12-inch drums are being used for that. That is so crazy. I guess there is no right or wrong. There never is. Um... And then Dave Drake asked, did you receive your Sweetwater candy pack? Of course. I have 
uh, what did I order? Oh, I ordered the the sixteen inch A and F snare wires for that snare. Yeah, that was a pack of candy. Never ate it. I ordered some other part. I forget what I ordered. Oh, maybe a sixteen inch head. Yeah, for that snare. Another pack of candy. That's two. And then I got the pearl thrown in. That's three. None of those packets of candy made it past the pearl throne. And then today, the Pearl Logics pad came in. So now I have one more pack of candy left. <laughs> but I have m- murdered everything but the fireballs. I don't eat those. Those are gross. My dad loves fireballs. They are disgusting cinnamon. and they are the devil's candy. And you should not partake in the devil's candy. But I throw those away instantly. I eat the Smarties. I eat the Tootsie Roll. And if it's not a terrible flavor of the Laffy Taffy, I'll go after Anything that. but banana. Yeah. Anything but banana. Uh, and a bit of honey. You get a bit of honey, too. So, yes, Dave, I had four in the past couple of weeks. One remains. <laughs> Three have half fallen. <laughs> he goes, and Dave Drake also goes, and by the way, double bookings are not rare. It's BS. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, Mark replies, Sweetwater does have great service. Way back when I got a throne, I used a folding metal chair. It worked at the time, and now I have like four thrones for some reason. Ouch, that is like murder on the cheeks. I remember having to borrow people's because I didn't have a throne. The one I had sucked, and I'd go to places, or if I, I could, because it would break, or it would just do, until I got a really good one, until I spent the money and got one of the, the Orange County drum percussion ones. So yeah, the sparkly yeah. sides. With the, like, the thick... Yeah, padding. Yeah, I had like a really terrible chair, like he talks about. But mine wasn't a metal chair. It was one of those like folding flat, like the it's almost like a vintage throne. It's like it's that real thin one. I used to gig with that. I had one of those when I got my dad's kid out of the or uh, the attic fifty years ago. However old I am. That's what it had, and oh my god, the was worst. that the most uncomfortable thing you ever? Sent on, on plywood, yeah, <laughs> with like a little so. bit of like what they call foam. It's really just like a piece of rubber from the fifties. Like yeah. it's horrible. It's not. Um, so I remember at a gig I did in Lake Charles, Louisiana. It was a wedding of a. It was the guy's daughter, and he used to always come see us at the Nugget when we would play in Lake Charles. And then he finally said one day, like my daughter's getting married, we come see y'all every time y'all are in town. Y'all do the wedding. Of course. We get there, and I left my throne here. I don't know why. Like, that's one of those things that just you check off in your mind. Like, why would you ever not have your throne with you? I didn't. I had to use a wooden folding chair that was, like, for the seating for the guests. Yeah. Dude, like, not even 20 minutes into it. I could feel, what is that? What's your butt bone? Like, your hip bone on the bottom when you sit down? I could just feel it grinding into the chair and like I spent the whole gig like I'd sit up like really weirdly straight and then I'd have to back down to like roll onto a different part of my butt and then sit forward it was like the most and by the time we were done I was like can we just be done like I feel like I have bruises oh god on my- it was horrible so don't ever forget your throne get yourself a good throne get the new pearl register throne <laughs> with the core seating <laughs> um, let's see we got Cosmo Kramer don't forget some love for segmented shell snare drums also. Kind of similar to stave shells, but different from ply shells. Um, and I still really love the old school internal mufflers on snare drums. Wish all my drums had them. You can vary the pressure from off to really light to medium. Uh, no sticky messes or rings on the top head. They get a bad name back in the day because people overcrank them. I love them. I personally... 
prefer internal drum muffling. I don't like anything being no Siri. I don't like anything being on top either. Um, I know like he recently went through and bought muffles for all everything. the for everything, and he muffled up that uh, that Yamaha kit. Yeah, Ray Hanser does that too. Uh, they both. I think they both like the same. Like the Gibraltar style with the turn knob yeah. and the circle felt that just comes up. Yep. And both of those guys put it on everything they own. Like, I've never seen, um, and even some, like, really nice drums where I might have been like, mm, I don't know if I'd have drilled into that. I've seen Ray put, and it, of course it works because yeah. you can get the perfect sound that you want out of it. Um, I, don't, I just don't care. It doesn't bother me to put a micro drum dot or, a, uh, like, the shop towel you gave me. It doesn't bother me. Um, if it was a perfect world and you gave me a thousand dollars to retrofit every drum I own, I would. Yeah. Um, I, I, and to take it a step further, if I would, I prefer the really high dollar Gretsch or like the old Slayer ones where it doesn't like at an angle push the felt up like it matches. Yeah. So it comes like when it hits the head, it's flat. It's not at an angle. It's flat. And like with the double, uh, the double felts. Yeah. Those just look really nice. So if I had the money, it would be that Slingerland or the nice Gretsch um, style internal muffler, but uh, again, I don't have. Uh, <laughs> like if I ever get like a um, a Gretsch USA custom built or a broadcaster, I, yeah. I would I want the vintage build out with everything. it with the internal mufflers, top and bottom, and the bass drum. Yep, front and back. I I want everything. Turn a knob, boom. It's like you fell strips. No, I got mm-hmm. big, massive, tight, tight, tight. Oh, reds a little bit too much. Boom, boom, boom. You're done. Yeah, it'd be nice. Um, I was. I don't know why I was. I was just daydreaming the other day about having a, a. If I was to build the perfect pearl kit, that was one of the things that crossed my mind. It's like, well, if you're gonna do it, just have them install on everything. Yeah. Top and bottom, including bass drum. Uh, have it put on in there because it wouldn't be that much more if you're spending that kind of money anyway. Because like, I thought about doing that for that kit that Swindle's doing. Yeah. But I thought, well, it depends on how the segments are because I don't want to. True. Because that's the only hiccup on Very that true. one is that if he has the lugs going through on the middle of those solid pieces. Then you can't. And then I got to make sure like, if I was to do it, it can't cross a seam. Yeah. No matter how tight and stuff the glue is. Yeah. I don't want to risk the fact that no. it's now you have something on like a, a pressure line that's gone yeah you know. no i'm with you i'm with you. um and then spencer says sub fellers sub spencer oh we're on me sub spencer. spencer um richie said i wanted a genuine pad for a while never have been a big fan of the thick rubber ones i've always preferred of stacking a couple of sound off pads or mouse pads over a or versus a real pad might get that or the reflex um when it comes to pads i have kind of a stickler um I'm definitely going to, like, ask you what are you wanting to do. Yeah, what do you want to use it for? Yeah, because when you get into, like, the practice world of drums, a lot of folks just get on the kit and just go crazy. I and my friend Kyle, um, he did more marching than drum set. We we went through back and forth talking about different pads doing this, and then even the chop building sticks that are metal and they come in different weights. Yeah. And go through, because um, he was, like I said, he was way more in doing uh, drumline and everything, audition for drum cores and all that jazz. And I'm back here playing jazz. So was, I don't practice on the pad with the same size stick as I practice with on the kit. I try to go big to get more of the workout. Yeah. I don't grab like Hardiman's or MS1's. I forget what those are because I taped over them, but they're just a little bit smaller than a Hardiman. Yeah. But they're still a big old, they're bigger than a 2B. 
Um, so I definitely like to practice on the pad with those and then come to the kit because it's kind of like the whole baseball bat. Like when you take the donuts off of a baseball bat, all of a sudden you can swing really fast. Yeah. So it's kind of that same thing. But, yeah, you know a lot more about the practice pad game than I do. Yeah. I, I, I'm probably most people I would have just grabbed the real feel. Had I not known or learned that I hate the real feel, yeah. I hate the real feel. Um, those reflexes seem to be real popular, and the Pro Logics right now. That seems like to be the two yeah. cool kid practice pads. Because if I was going to get one, a newer one, I would want to get a, uh, I think it's called the Blue Thunder, or no, Blue Lightning, I think is what it's called, that Pro Logics does. I want to get the blue one, or I want to get the black one, which is super dense. No rebound. It's mega straight, workout. It's all. It's just straight chop builder. Um, and that's and I like having the different like weights and rebounds. You really work on what you want to do, and also I guess to keep your hands and your muscles in shape. I mean, because some depends on your grip. I mean, we use different parts that we don't use from other. Yeah, I mean, true. And so. that's when you asked me what I wanted to do with this one, and I didn't want anything for like really like major hand strength building. I just wanted an everyday use just for practicing, you know, just to keep up with what I'm working on. Not something to build massive forearms. Yeah. Um, which I guess I could just flip it over and do that, but I just wanted everyday use, and that's when you were like, yeah, the red or the green. Um, So, like I said, Jarrett knows more about this, so if you got any questions about the practice pad game, send them here to Jarrett, and we will see if we can't answer them for you. I have two favorites. Uh, one, if you want really good articulation and building – like more cleanliness. As lame as it sounds, I've always liked it. It's the off-world invader pad. It's yeah, what yeah. you use for yeah. for for uh for any type of like drumline application. Yeah, I've always the, liked we sold those. a bunch of those strictly for high schools that they requested specifically the new students get the offline. I love those. And then I have what I call Darth Vader. It's it's, <laughs> it's 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 a Vader pad. It's just the red gum rubber and then black yeah, on yeah. the bottom and it's served me well for years yeah um I just and of course when you find one you like to stick with that yeah you know what you like yeah those are my two favorite that i've owned i want to get a pro logics i've watched i watched their the long and mcquade yeah, yeah video all the time just to be like all right i like it it was definitely worth the money um you know you could probably really realistically get a pad for about 39 dollars. so jumping up to 59 for a practice pad i was kind of like mm, this thing better be good it was worth it it's worth every bit of the money, so I'm 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 really happy with that. I want the Russ Miller one. Yeah, yeah, because it's got the the different surfaces. I want the brush one. Yeah, no, I'm with you. They make a make a great product. And then Mike Malone, I got one of those little fans at Menards, and it, and I don't need a, I don't need a much. But then again, yesterday it snowed for a few hours here in Oshkosh. I love that where he lives at is Oshkosh. Yep, because I think of of. Oshkosh Bagosh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. But it's Maynard's, not Menard's. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he is he is killing it with his videos, and he's he's very nostalgic for me because he plays this, like, 90s kid stuff. Yeah. And it's like, so everything that he does, I'm like, oh, I remember that. I made, I made a request uh, on the behalf of both of us. Yeah. I asked him, I was like, if you do another one, can you please put in the Darkwing Duck theme song? Oh, that would be great. That really would be great. Doom, 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 call DW. <laughs> Darkwing Duck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better watch out, you bad boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there's our request to you, Mike Malone. Do the Darkwing, Darkwing Duck, Duck theme, theme song. Please. You will make me infinitely happy. <laughs> 
Um, let's see. And then Mark says, clothes, cloths, hashtag drum naked. Charlie Smith, evening, guys. A little late to the party tonight, but here I am. Welcome, Charlie. I did. Uh, you obviously weren't here, but I thanked you for sending, and I'm thanking you now, for sending in the PDF little article about the effects of the construction of a snare drum. I have glanced over it, and it is very interesting. As you said in the caption, it is very long, so I have not read through the entire thing, but I did get the gist of it, and it's very interesting. Uh, Jarrett requested a copy as well, so this week, uh, if I get some time to actually sit down and read, I'm sure Jarrett will too, uh, we'll read through that whole thing. But again, thank you, Charlie, for sending that in to us. And then Charlie Smith said, Todd Suckerman is another guy who seems down to earth and a massive gearhead too. Yeah, agreed on that one. Um, then Spencer said, Bart from Drum History Podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's super cool. And I was listening to, um, what is it? Uh, it's called The Third Story Podcast with Leo Sidron. And he was interviewing uh, a guy, I mean, obviously, because Clyde Stubblefield is not alive. The great drummer for James Brown. But he was interviewing a guy that, you know, knew the history of what Clyde had done. And uh, he had mentioned at some point, I can't remember. Oh, it was after Clyde. I may, be, I may be getting this wrong, but I think I'm right. After Clyde left James Brown's band, he had moved to somewhere in like Michigan or, you know, up in that area and just became like a local player. And the guy that hosts this podcast, his dad got to play with Clyde Stubblefield. Oh, sweet. I was like, oh, my God. And I didn't know. Like, they were telling this cool story. We'll get back to the comments in, the, in a second. This is a really interesting story. So they're telling a story about James Brown, and they're talking specifically about Clyde Stubblefield because everybody knows Clyde. Funkiest drummer ever. Literally, the title of the song is Funky Drummer. Yep. So he was saying, you know, they were talking about reasons why Clyde had decided to leave at the time was the biggest band. Yeah. The godfather of soul, the king of funk. Um, and he said, you know, you have to really catch it. You have to know what you're looking for, and you have to catch it during a live performance. James Brown will be doing his thing. You know, he's crazy dancing and doing all that stuff, and you'll see him flash five fingers by, kind of behind his back while he's doing whatever. And when you see that happen, and he said sometimes you'll just see, like, one time. Sometimes you'll see one, two, three. Like, however, that is James Brown fining that person in the band $5 for letting him down at whatever that moment is. Yeah. Like Phil or not catching the, the, the hit, not catching the change, but he's just going, yep, you owe me five. You owe me ten. I mean, it's so, like, literally, James Brown would fine people during the performance. And I think that was one of the contributing factors to Clyde Stubblefield being like, I don't want to be on the road anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And moved moved home. And then, like I said, the father of this guy who does another mostly drummer, but mainly music-related podcast. His dad actually got to play with Clyde Stubblefield when he moved you know, back and became a regular player. But yeah, yeah. go watch James Brown videos and see if you can catch during all the how him flashing five at somebody. And if you can catch one on, on a video or a performance, that is him finding that player $5, which in the 70s was a lot of money. Yeah. That's probably like 20 or $25 in the moment for them letting him down. That's wild. That's I know. I know. There's a little. To probably get back on topic. I remember watching something like like bits on um, YouTube. I forgot. It might have been Vice or someone like talking about like James Brown. They had one of the band members that were on there um, talking about how 
like he told one of them, I was like, yeah, man, you can't ride with me. You got to ride with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then the guy's like, uh, I think he was the drummer after Clyde or, mm-hmm. or one or two. And he's like, like he's like, I bounced. Yeah. Like, and then um, James called him. He's like, man, we got to have you back. You can't play. Because I think he said the whole band was about to just leave. Yeah. Because they couldn't stand working mm-hmm. with James. But he's like, oh, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you all $200 and we'll yeah. know, make it right. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll see James. And they get out. And then he's like, yeah, all the stuff you promised him and never happened. And, uh, of course. You know. A tumultuous gig to have. Oh, yeah. One so of the famous gigs ever. But apparently you had to work for that one. Like, oh, yeah. really work. And perfection, obviously, is... Something nobody can attain. No. So at, at some point, you're going to get the, ha-ha, $5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Boom, 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 boom. Fireball are my favorite, Spencer. Uh, Disgusting, Spencer. Richie says, is your sweet rotor rep someone you would invite to your wedding or no? I like Tim. Tim's a nerdy guy, but I like my boy Tim Burgess. Um, I don't know who you have as yours. In I have Philip Courtney. And my only problem with Philip Courtney is this. He's super helpful. He's super nice. But if you go back to about three, it might be three years ago now, when I bought all that DW Lightweight hardware, I got the DW Lightweight hardware. I got, what all? I can't even remember what I bought. It was a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Now all I can remember is the hardware. What? I, can't, I don't remember. I can't remember what I bought. It was a fourteen hundred dollars worth of stuff, and I can't remember other than the hardware. What anyway? That when I did that order, we had been talking and talking and talking, and he really got to know me. And I told him I had been looking for this other piece, and I had mentioned the fact that I had the YouTube channel, and like we built up a really good rapport. And then I didn't order anything for about a year, and then I ordered a couple of little things. I don't even think I talked to him. I think I just went straight through the app. And then I placed the order for the stuff that came in just now. And I swear to God, he didn't. it was like he didn't know me anymore. And I was like, I know we haven't talked in a while, but surely you remember. Like, we talked enough at length on the phone. Yeah. Like, sure. So it's just like he doesn't remember me. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I kind of thought we had something going, Philip. And yeah. now you just t- toss me to the side and cannot remember who I am. So he's super helpful. I just, I thought we had a closer relationship. Yeah. Because he would like answer some specific drum questions for me, and now he's kind of like, "Oh yeah, that's cool, man. If you want to get that, I'll go for it." I'm like, "No, nah, I was looking for some input." Yeah. Um. So I like him. He's super helpful, but he, he broke my heart when he forgot about me. I liked I liked Tim a lot for the fact that I would let him know that like my work schedule. Whenever I was yeah, yeah. a bunch of, I was like, my schedule makes no sense. Like, if you call me. I'm not being rude. I just, I'm at yeah. work. Call me at 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm not going to answer. Yeah, I'm at work at 2.30. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't get off till 12. Yeah. And <laughs> so on my days, I think he'd call, I think I even told him he'd call me on my days off. He'd be like, hey, man, I know you're off. Is it cool if we talk? I'm like, Tim, I'm all ears. I'm like, <laughs> like, you know, and then he would ask me, like, how's everything going? I'm like, it's going well. And he's like, because he, I told him, you know, getting back with my band, gigging and doing stuff. And he's like, so you guys play anything larger? He like told me like, yeah. you know, some things that I might would need. He's like, we start playing around. He's like, looking for a PA possibly. I'm like, well, we got the one here, stage pass for the. He's like, well, it's a solid deal. You can't turn that down. I'm like, yeah. like thanks. That's how Tim. I kind of felt yeah. with Philip for the longest time, and then he forgot about me. And now when he calls me, he's like, yeah, that's cool, man. I get your order in for you. Thanks for shopping with him. I'm like, man, I thought we had something here. I thought there was a real romance <laughs> we were going boys. on. Yeah, but no, apparently not. But they still are a great company to work with. Uh, and then 
Spencer says no because he didn't know much about vintage Ludwig's. Uh, no to. I don't know what that. Hmm. hmm. Come back with the Spencer. Come back. Let us know specifically what you're talking about. And then Charlie Spitz says internal dampener talk. You need to check out the old Camco dampeners from the 70s. Genius design. So no matter how tight or loose you have it, it's always perfectly parallel with the head. I'll That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. When they match up and come parallel with the head and just line up. That's nice. Let's see. Richie, ever use the Famularo pad stick? Uh, oh, yeah. Never get rid of any, any of my real feel, but I like something that is actually real feel. The yeah. Real feel. The pillowy feel of a medium tension snare. Uh, dude, why Vader didn't do a lightsaber style stick paint of red and blue? Choose your side for Star Wars movie promotion was a mistake. It really was. <laughs> dude, You. thank you. That is some... Like they miss out on stuff like this all the time. It's like you know, they would do it. Like it would work. Yeah. Hashtag whatever. It would work perfectly. You got to be on these puns. When these puns present themselves, you go with it. And I think you're right. They missed out on the Vader thing when the Star Wars thing was really hitting. And they goofed up. <laughs> uh, let's see, Dakamomo. I used to put those pickups that you would buy in a tuner set for beginners and install them in a practice pad and plug it into an amp. It would actually sound pretty cool. Uh, Almost yep, like right. an 808. Mike Malone. My next door neighbors are literally the heirs to the Oshkosh Bagosh Company. Are you serious? He goes, dang Don't be messing with me, Malone. He's going dang near royalty in town. Wow. Uh I, I hope you're being completely serious because that is hilarious. Uh, see, Josh Breslow, I'm also in Wisconsin. It snowed yesterday. Ooh. Uh, Mike Malone. Clyde lived up in Wisconsin up until he passed a few years ago. He used to come play clubs in Oshkosh, and when he'd pack up his drums at the end of the night, he would strap each drum into a seat. I think it was. Is oh, well, and with the seatbelt and no bags. Then he would take sense. his cymbals and stands and throw them in the trunk without even taking them off the stands. Only a legend can do things like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it just didn't. And care. I think it's, correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, um, but either Mike or Spencer, Dearborn, I think is what they said in the in the podcast. Dearborn, Michigan, I think is what they were talking about. Um, yeah, obviously, if you're up in that area, then there's probably got to be a lot of mythos around uh, Clyde Stubblefield floating around the local communities. And then Dave goes, in quotes, that's 50 bucks What's his favorite thing? Casino Magic BSL 2003. Who said that? Dave Drake? Dave Drake. Oh. Say the say the uh, comment he go, again. Uh, go, he said, Dave Drake goes, that's 50 bucks. What's his favorite thing? Casino Magic BSL really? 2003. I'm assuming he's talking about James. Yeah. Um, man. I mean, like I said, I was surprised to hear that because um, they, they, when they were talking about him flashing five and charging you $5, I guess say that happened four times in a show. You were unlucky to do that four times. Twenty bucks in like nineteen sixty. That's a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. That is a lot of money. So obviously, when he's talking about later on, much later on at the yeah. Bay St. Louis Casino, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, the Bay St. Louis Casino, fifty bucks. That'd be a lot because you, you know, as a higher gun, even now you might only be making three to five hundred dollars yeah and that's, so you do that enough times and you've taken a chunk of your money you off. played a free gig yeah really oh ouch God. um mike says he's all he goes he also always had two drummers on his gig so he could take breaks whenever he wanted even though that's part of the james brown sound as well yeah um then last comment got is from dave he goes 
purposely held the band after the show, emptied the venue, and repeated the entire show. True story. The timpani guy got fined, too. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like a whatever Disney movie it is about the miracle on ice with the hockey team where they lose the they lose the uh, the match to whoever yeah. and then he keeps them there and it's the same thing like yeah you're going to do that whole thing over again because it was that bad wow i couldn't imagine i mean i really can't in my wild wildest dreams sit here and think about finishing a show no matter how bad it was and whoever was in charge saying okay once they're gone one, two, three, four, let's go. Whole thing over again. Like Yeah, you gotta get a break for an hour, we're doing it again. Wow. That would be the worst. Yeah, ouch. Steven, he goes, Okay, Steven, I'll DM you about my neighbors. I'm not lying. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> Just coming off the back of a joke and it's like, no, it's real. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um all right, so that clears up comments, at least for now. We can now get into the viewer portion of the show where everybody sends in the pictures of their kits videos of you playing really whatever if you want to do this with us you can simply email pictures or videos to bearded drums at gmail.com all lowercase by the way you can send me stuff if you're friends with me on instagram and you can also hit jared up on the facebook I have access to that, or if you don't want to do Facebook, you can find me at J underscore R-A-T-T on Instagram. That's right. Um, and he's talking about the Bearded Drums Facebook group. Just simply search Bearded, Bearded Drums. Drums on Facebook.com. Um, so let's get into some pictures that we have for the week. We're going to start off with, I got notes this time. I'm a little fancy. Um First off, Charlie Smith, again, uh, thank you for sending in the PDF article about the effects of snare drums and uh, the construction materials. We're going to get to reading into that full, you know, full depth, and then we'll come back with a maybe a little debate on one of these shows once we've educated ourselves on the subject. But thank you for sending that in, Charlie. First off, we have Josh, who always sends in very cool stuff and sends in very interesting looking stuff. And this time I actually wrote down the specifics of each kit. So the kit I'm going to show you, there are no before pictures for Josh's, but he got this unnamed, you know, unbranded kit for $50 Ooh. at Music Go Round. And the first shot is Rachel. He has such the coolest stuff. He does. Like he, I'm telling you, man, Josh, you are like the bespoke drummer. You should have a monthly box of awesome where you send only bespoke handcrafted drum sets to guys in the Pacific Northwest. Like you are the king of like the handcrafted leather gentleman drum set. Yeah, I want to like get a big smoking pipe and just sit by the fire with one of your drum kits. Um, so like I said, this is a $50 unbranded drum set he got at Music Go Round. It is a all cut down 22 by 14 inch kick or I, I'm getting my measurements backwards, a 14 by 22 inch kick, a cut down five by 13 inch Tom, a cut down six by 14 inch floor Tom or Tom and a regular 16 by 16 inch floor Tom. I will now go to the next picture to give you a beautiful close up view of that high classic bespoke covering that he did himself. He said he got the uh, like the cloth material and put it on there and then sealed it. So the no issue of it coming up. But man, 
That is just some cool looking stuff right there. I bet guys, I know I would. I'd pay top dollar for like a CNC drum company or um, one of those guys. You have you find the coolest finishes for all these kids. Yeah, I really like it, and specifically from this shot, I like like you've got different patterns on each drum. The drum on the left kind of has like a paisley-ish pattern. The bass drum has, is that like a jellyfish on there or whatever that is? But like some kind of scenery. It looks like a jellyfish. I am in absolute love with that tom that's right in front, the red. Oh, yeah. That if, dude, I, I'm telling you, Josh, you want to get into a really cool selling game online, this will be my first suggestion. Find you another $50 kit for Music Go Around and do the whole thing in that red finish. And then sell it online as a handcrafted, you know, refinished kit. And I think that would sell really well. I am in love with that finish. He always sends in the cool stuff. Here is a look at the, well, our left, but the, what would be the right-hand side of the kit if you're sitting at it. Um, so just, again, like, I'd love to know where you're finding all this stuff at. Like, are you going to a like a, a Joanne's cloth store? Or are you ordering this stuff by the yard online? But really cool looking kit for sure it's like it reminds me of those old textbooks that you would have yeah that with the um with like the dinosaurs and stuff the like whole that phylum or kingdom yeah. listed in front of you yeah um i really like that let's see if i've got i think i've got another couple of shots here so there's close up on the uh bass drum so th and that looks like is it me or does that look like vintage rogers mounts for the toms that looks like the like Rogers mounts because on that CB kit, it's the same style, but his look way or better. Or maybe even like a stencil kit that was taking from the Rogers flavor. Probably that. Um, but either way, is this so? There's the, and and by the way, very cool choice with the fiber skin on everything. That's probably got a really cool sound, especially since it's uh, single headed. Oh yeah, big fan of fiber skins. Yeah. So we'll go back to the main shot. Uh, nope. Back to the big shot of there's the kit, all cut down and wrapped in a very cool, very high class leather bound finish. Um, you are the man, and like I said, man, you are. I'm. You're quickly becoming my favorite bespoke drummer. I really need. I think you need to open up your own website and do like, call it leather bound drum creations, or <laughs> you know, whiskey by the fire drum creations. I think you have a. Uh, <laughs> A good career ahead of you um, for what well, you know. A lot of guys really want a specific look, and he nails it every time. Honestly, I, I might see if he wants to take. I have that just plain Jane, natural maple, uh, Gretsch Renown. Ooh, just sent to him and just let just yeah, hey man, go 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 with it. Yeah, just wrap let, it. Let the muse lead you. Yeah, I hey, maybe we'll get y'all hooked up. Maybe That'd be we dope. Can, uh, we can get a little. A little collab going here on Bearded Drums. But, yes, thank you, Josh, for sending that in. That is like the third time you've sent something in, and all of them have looked really cool. So major props to you on that one. If you're wondering why, I'm, we have the monitor right in front of us. so Yeah, I, that's I, why we're yeah. staring at I mean, it's you. We're staring at you, but yeah. we're also staring at the monitor to look at the pictures. Yeah. Um, so that is from Josh. Thank you, Josh, for sending that in. And we are still working on Mr. Mark Whitman who has sent me so many photos in uh, and sent me more today. Um, so we And this, I think, is the kit actually J uh, Derek saw in the previous photo from last week. He saw this kit and was like, 
Oh, I love that finish. And so that turquoise one. I think that's what we've got. Let me uh, get to my still. Okay, so this is what the kit. Now it's a very tiny picture, I know, but this is the kit when he got it. Probably looks like most kits um, when we get them out of the junkyard or a pawn store. Like somebody has put egg crate foam in there. Some of the drums are missing heads. Very typical situation that we have going on here. And then I think my next picture is, yeah, just of the bass drum. And this is obviously, I think, him corresponding with the seller. Um, and I actually am, I like the light blue, even as an original finish. I think it was yeah. messed up on some of the other pictures of the drums. Um, but I actually like that finish. Um, it's not a common finish you see anymore, like a sky blue. Um, but now we can get to what I think is probably, nope, just these are the, uh, the floor tom and the snare. Or the floor tom and the and the tom that came with it. I don't know what's on that floor tom. It almost looks like a piece of wood, but it's yeah. probably like a head that's been drawn on. Still kind of interesting looking. And then we get to after the rewrap. Sweet. And I am in love with that. Is it like a psychedelic? Is that what they call those? Where it's kind of uh, strata, or is that strata? I think it's just strata. Um, but psychedelic's got that weird. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like ink marks are like all swirling together. But a super good job, and if I can remember, where are my notes for this one? This one is $40 is what Mark paid for, and I think he said by the end he had spent more money on refurbing this one than he had in it, which is fine. You know, you want to get, he put new heads on it. What are those called, the Remos or the? No, those are Aquarian. Uh, something dot. Yeah, I can't remember, because all, all the names are. Yeah, so he probably spent more in heads than he had in the kit, obviously, and then to rewrap it. But that's okay because it came out looking killer. He had $40 into it. He said this is a pearl stencil kit. And let me, as I go to another photo, there's kind of like a, a whole collage of before and after. He said this was his first attempt at refurbishing a drum set. So if that was your first attempt, we've seen some of the other good work you've done. If that was your first attempt, that's a really good outcome. Oh yeah, and God, I would, I'd, I'd gig that hard. Oh yeah, um, it's a really nice kit, and like I said, if I can find the right picture, I love, absolutely love that color. And I want to say he's kind of like you right now. He's got a bunch of stuff he's trying to get rid of. Yeah, because he wants a Ludwig standard kit. He did say that I, uh, uh, in the email that this is one of the two that he was going to keep, which I totally agree. Oh yeah, that's a great setup. You can be played as a five-piece, or if you want to strip it down, you can bring it to one rack tom and go to a four-piece. That finish is killer. You got good heads on it, so you've got yourself a player right there. Oh, yeah. Um, very nice job, and like I said, especially a very nice job because that was your first attempt. Solid. Yeah, really, man. Um, we always get lucky with everybody sending in very cool stuff, and I still have like three or four kits of marks to show off, which we will get to every week. And then he sent me some more stuff in today where he's going to be customizing further some of his uh, kits that he's got going. So that is the viewer entries for the week. Thank you to Josh. Thank you to Mark. And thank you to Charlie for all the stuff that you send us. We do appreciate it. That's half of the content of this show and half of the joy that we get out of it. Um, sitting here talking with you every week is looking at all of y'all stuff and uh, what you've been doing, what you've been working on. So Thank you all of y'all for sending that in. Um, I think that is all of the photos. Those are mine, Mark's, Josh's, and of course Watson. So yeah, that wraps us up for 
the viewer section um, before we start into today's main topic. Do we have anything in the comments, Jared? We have Mark Whitman. Fabric Empire has some cool fabrics that many refurbishers have used on drums. And then Fabric Empire, ladies and gentlemen. Fabric, Fabric Empire. Empire. And then Josh Breslow. Thank you. I love sharing my kits with you guys. He goes, your kit, let's do it. It's a snare drum, but for sure, because it's just, just a... Yeah, just a renowned natural finish. Natural finish. Yeah, so it'll be on, easier, easy to work with. I got on Sweetwater a long time ago cause Yeah, because I, I didn't have... The good old renown. Yeah. Like, I say older, like 10 years ago, but, you know, within the past 10 years. Yeah. The good renowns. Not that they're bad, but everybody seems to gravitate to those, like... Earlier two thousand like ten. Oh, I whatever. wish it was that one. It's not. It's the round badge one. Oh, okay. No, okay. I wish it was the the old square because I had a, I had a kit that was like that. Yeah. It was eight, ten, twelve, sixteen, twenty two. So nice. Yeah, I'm still upset that I traded it in. But hey, if I didn't trade it in, you wouldn't have old purple <laughs> wherever she's hiding. Where the, is old yeah, purple? In the, in the probably the bags right over there in the corner. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I've got the uh, reference all packed up right now because I'm practicing with my midtown and getting it all set up for gigging um took my bass drum pedal which had been i didn't realize it it's probably been five years now that's just been in constant use and um i started working on you know uh basically linear patterns and and uh, top and bottom patterns two over twos uh three over twos and if you don't know what i'm talking about i mean like three on the hand two on the kick two on the hand two on the kick all those basic chop patterns um and i noticed the bass drum pedal just felt a little sluggish when trying to do quick doubles at like you know 110 120 um and i was like oh man so i took it in the back and took that eliminator completely apart took the bearings out wiped them down re-oiled the bearings looked at the spring which was on its deathbed covered <laughs> in rust eaten away by the salt air crushed by the southern weight of all the humidity and there was no chrome left on the um spring it's like that's gonna break sometime soon and i had the great forethought of like four years ago to buy two pearl replacement not just springs but eliminator springs yeah so i was like well perfect it's like the universe is like look you got the part you got it taken apart so new bearings wiped down re-oiled tightened everything back up and put a brand new spring on it and it is playing so sweet right now um Love that pedal. I think, you know, pretty much it's either an Iron Cobra, a 9000, or a Eliminator. That's like the three big uh, pro pedals. Yeah. Um, maybe, a, I guess you could even say a 5000, because that's a, a lot of guys use that as a work. I love my five. But uh, let's say the Tama Iron Cobra, any of the high-end DW yeah. pedals, or the Pearl Limiter, it's like the, the gold standard for, you know, like that, like buy that pedal, and you don't have to buy another pedal as long as you keep up with it. Yeah. So I feel lucky that I've had such good fortune to uh, own two eliminators, one for at home and one for you know use while gigging. Um, so anything else? We got Josh. No, sorry. Uh, Cosmo says, you know, I've tried and tried and just don't get crash cymbals with holes in them. They sound they can't decide if they are a crash or a china. I think they're a fad that will be gone soon. I am going to have to. I'm going to disagree with him, so you yeah, can just go I'm, ahead and say it. I'm going to disagree with him. But, I, but I, I do understand what he is saying. Because yes. I hate China symbols with a passion. 
I have only heard one China symbol in my entire life that sounded amazing. It's that Istanbul, it's either the signature or the 30th anniversary. It's got the green label. Yeah. And it's the one Carter uses, which is like a 20. It's just, I think he has a 20 that he made into a swish. He just puts the little rattle on top. Yeah. And that's how he um, plays it. And I priced that thing one day and it's like $490. So that's the only China I've ever heard that I liked, and that's a big chance to take on something that you think you like. Yeah. I just can't. So I've, I've just I've always stayed away from China. So I can understand what he's saying because that's why I like a Sabian Ozone or now that I have the uh, Istanbul stuff, the Dyke... Uh, the <laughs> dark. The Dark <laughs> Ion Crash 18-inch um, because it is a, for me... And it always goes on my right-hand side above the floor tom of the ride. It is a perfect blend of a crash and a china. It gives the explosiveness and the quickness of a crash, but the bite and the very articulated sound of a china. Yeah. And it, it molds them well. So I've always, pretty much since I you know, became a working musician, have always had a uh, crash with holes on my right side. And we even played the that dark ion as our main sometimes yeah. at the juke joint. So uh, I have to disagree with you there, but before I let Jarrett say what he's going to say, I can understand why you're saying what you're saying. Cause that does make sense. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to be gone soon for the fact that I've noticed at least in like part of like the music world, everything is getting like shorter sounding and, like more explosive, at least like yeah. in the terms of how everything is going. A lot uh, of a lot of staccato symbol styles. Yeah, and pr um, especially with anybody that plays minor. Yeah, like that. If you're one of the cool kids that's playing the minor dry, what what are they called? The Byzance dries. Yeah, the, the dries and the extra dries. Yeah, that is nothing but a period. That is not a comma. That is not an exclamation point. That is not a question mark as far as musical language. That is just a psh, like a very quick articulated sound. So, and I mean, how many people play Tons. and really just because they see it in other Instagram videos, play those dry miles. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that that, you know, is going anywhere. And I think it's probably from like, also maybe like a studio standpoint, probably really easy to mix because it's yeah. so short and so dry that they need to make it longer. No bleed from the, yeah. from the cymbals into the Tom mics or the snare mic. Yeah. Cause everything. And like in the studio, it's really darker sounding out. If you're playing out live, you have a different setup. I mean, it's hard to go out and play a rock gig playing predominantly thin jazz stuff. I mean, you'll you'll get across, but you won't sit in the mix very well. Well, like the um, depending on the size of the um, room, the Istanbul. I've got the it's such a long name, the dry dark twenty inch crash. Yeah, the exist dry dark twenty inch crash. Both Jarrett and I love that symbol, but we took it out to the juke joint. And with a live band and the cymbals aren't mic'd, which you're hardly ever going to be micing your cymbals at a live gig, you just couldn't hear it. Yeah. It does not compete with the volume. Here, for recording and practicing, or if it was a quieter gig, perfect. Yeah. But it's a very defined, quick hit, even though it's dark, you know, it's very dry and quick accent. Um, so I can see, you know, why you would not use that on the bigger gig. But like you were saying, I mean, look at the trend of what most people are using. Uh, a symbol or a crash with holes in it has become 
a standard of the modern setup, almost maybe taking the place of the China. Yeah. Um, so um, I can see why you have reservations about it and why you it's not the choice for you. And of course, all of it's, you know, it's it's up it's up to your opinion what your ear wants to hear. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to be seeing that go away anytime soon. Yeah, I, I think a, a another part of it too is a big thing with like a lot of pop music now is being heavily influenced by um, like hip hop and everything else, and a lot of I know we're going into kind of a more uh, like eighties kind of fashion with things. Like I guess a I guess the the to back that up would be um, what's his name? You guys play that Blinding Light song? Oh, uh, the weekend. Yeah, the weekend. You know that whole record he's been doing is very like eighties synth based. Yeah, and then you're getting I know Bruno Mars tends to be more on like the more Motown side, but everything kind of comes full circle again. So I mean, it'll, oh, yeah. it'll it'll be a while before everyone's playing big beats and massive cymbals crashing. But I think for at the time being. Everyone's going for that more vintage short, and I guess what they're trying to do is is get that old sound. Because I was watching, it sounds like a drum. And it's like, how do you make your snare drum sound like a recording? Yeah, and it's like you don't have all the reverb, so you do this to make it sound like the record, even though you're playing live. You and, know, and I would agree that yeah, we're in the fad that you just described, and more importantly, we're in the middle of it. Like, yeah, we are not at the beginning because it's been going on for a while, but I don't think we're anywhere close to the end. Um, you know, and I mean, look at it, you know, 10 years ago, it really wasn't about having a, a good, like standard setup and a vintage setup to get like a really crazy vintage sound. Yeah. A lot of guys were playing like, it was like top of the technology, like the newest DW collector series or when, uh, Mapex had just come out with a long time ago, that X seven kit that was like really inexpensive it's like 8, 10, 12, 14, or 8, 10, 12, oh, the, 16. Oh, the PDP kit? Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, what, five ninety nine. But it was yeah. like really fairly good maple for that money. Yeah. And you, everybody could have basically a really good gigging kit for not a lot of money. As where now, they're not, guys aren't chasing the new, clean, modern sound. They want a vintage, single-tension Ludwig bass drum with some Slingerland toms and a leady snare with some old 50s Ks they found. Like, yeah. That's kind of where we're at, which leads into that minor kind of dry, vintage, dark stuff, which also leads into the quicker accenting stuff, which brings you to the symbols with the holes in it. Yeah. So, Everything's getting crunchier, I've yeah. noticed. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I would totally agree with that. So, like I said, I understand your argument, even though I do disagree with you, even though... If I did disagree with you, those aren't going anywhere, at least in this cycle of what we're living through, which kind of guess is like an 80s, 90s thing. Yeah, for sure. I guess probably give it 10, 15 years and yeah. everything will be back Completely to being different. all be clean and smooth. I'm I'm waiting for either because like the electro jazz thing or the or the electric swing um, like the the like the electronic music world. It's basically taking like old fifties tunes and then you put like a four on the floor behind it with like reverb. Yeah. So it would bounce. Um, well that's gone, but now you're getting like jazz is now getting a little more straight and different and that speaking terms. So I think you give it another 10, 15 years and then we'll be back to playing ballads again and everyone's gonna be playing brushes and no more funky symbols. But like I said, it's probably going to be these 15 to 20. Yeah. Uh, before, I'm with we, you. before we see that. This is just the, the rotation that we're in. 
everything's crunchy and aggressive yep. and and technical and I think this records well too. All those symbols. I'm with too. you. No, yeah. I'm with you, for the most part. You know. Yeah. But like I said, it's all it's all up to your opinion. You know, no, no wrong answer nope. here. But we always like it when you share your opinion with us, with whether we agree with you or not. Keeps it spicy. Keeps it interesting. That's right. Anything else? That's it. Sweet. Um, so getting into the topic for this week, and we probably won't spend a huge amount of time on it just because we're really just going to be going over what we personally do and maybe getting some input from y'all. Um, but the topic of the week, and I, I, I kind of thought about it because we spent a lot of time talking about practice pads. And I had mentioned last week or the week before that I had pretty much stripped down my practice routine to like the basics. Go back to super fundamentals. Just like the kids out on the baseball field at 2.30 in the afternoon learning how to field a you know, ground ball, I wanted to do that because I personally spent, I mean, you know, uh, since you met me and many years before, basically gigging three to four days every week Yeah, without vacation. Vacation being the one gig we had in Key West. Yep. So that was, I, and I, it may sound stupid to say this, but I played so much that I, I really do believe it was true. I didn't, ha- not that I didn't have to practice because if you want to get better, you can practice. But as far as staying warm yeah, and just staying in the rhythm of playing, I didn't have to practice. I only had like two days off a week. So those days were really just recovery. Yeah. Let the hands kind of sit for a minute, not having to be doing so much movement every day, you know, go out to dinner and then, you know, two days later you're back at it. Yeah. Well then the pandy happens, go into a year long depression, basically disgustingly could not even look at drums the entire time. I met, I met a lot of drummers that said that Um, they just like, I didn't want to look at my drums. Phil said it. He's like, I didn't even want to practice. I did like, and it, it was so bad with me. Like, well, you never came over here because we were under Pandy. Yeah. But literally everything got packed. Like, I packed it up like I was quitting. Every drum went into a bag and got stacked on the side of the wall. I took the practice pads, stacked them up, put them on the shelf. All the symbols went into a bag, and I cleared the room out and vacuumed it and didn't walk into it for at least six months. Because I was like, literally, I like, I don't even want to, I just don't want to mess with it. That's, yeah, I think, um, Stephen Clark. That has the YouTube channel, the big, uh, the what is it, the non-glamorous drummer? Yeah. Either Stephen Clark or Sounds Like a Drum did recently, how long does it take to lose your skills as a drummer? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know specifically how long, but I can tell you this. If you do it for six months without playing, you will lose it. It might be way shorter than that. It might be a week, but I can tell you for sure. Six months, and when I came back for those first couple of gigs after Pandy, it wasn't, it wasn't good. Um, and now we're only a year away from that. Yeah. So that was the whole point with like, okay, yeah, you could just start practicing the stuff that you were working on back in the day, but why not just start from, I think the first three weeks I did it. And I do it the same every time you see my little notebook. Yeah. I love writing my progress down. And this is, if I could offer any assistance in how you practice, I'm not the most technically involved drummer, but I can tell you what works for me. And one of the biggest things that works for me is not so much what you're working on, but the journaling of what you're doing. I think if, if Jared offers like a really great technical answer, then I think my answer complements whatever you would say perfectly, whatever you're going to do. Yeah. I would say 
and I mean like not just journal it, like really get down into like, okay, 80 BPM, paradiddles, not just do it and then go on to 90, write how you did at 80 was some, and I'll do it with like plus or minus. Uh, plus means I played it great. Minus means eh. And then when usually when I get to the, because I'll start off with everything at 70. Start off with flam taps because that's what I'm weakest at. Yeah. So flam taps at 70 using 16th notes as the count. You know, blecka, 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 blecka. Okay, do that for a little while, 80. And then when I get to 80, I start folding in the singles because now I'm doing just flam taps, da 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 And, you know, without stopping, switch into singles. da 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 at 80. And then when I get to 90, and of course, writing down every time, or really, I don't write down every time. I write down if it wasn't good. Yeah. I'll make make sure to know it. 80 BPM, flam taps were fine, but singles were, yeah. Then I get to 90, and I fold in doubles and paradiddles. And then from that point out, wherever I stop, and I think I stopped at 155 today, by the time I got to 110, I had to make a hash mark above flam taps because I couldn't play them cleaner you know, clean anymore, yeah. faster than 110. Um, then I move on, can just continue with everything else. Singles, doubles, paradiddles, 120. Singles, doubles, paradiddles, 130, 140, 145, 150. And then uh, right now, I think today, I got to 155, and it was like, eh. And I just make a little hashtag, so I know that was my ceiling for the day. 155 yeah. at 16th notes, singles, doubles, paradiddles, that's where it. And so I would hope to see every third session or maybe every week that number should go up by 5 BPM or 10. Yeah. Cause I typically go tens, 100, 110, 120. And then when it starts getting a little funky toward the, the higher speeds, I'll go to five, like 130, then bump it up to 135. Oh, okay. Well that was okay. Now I can go to 140. But I, I would say at least for me right now, cause that's what I'm doing. Flam taps, flam accents, singles, doubles, paradiddles, double paradiddles. Um, and I'm doing like, hand-to-foot patterns here on the kit, really journal what you're doing every day and then really be honest with yourself. That's the biggest part. You have to, If you suck at something, you have to write it down and say, okay, Jared, flam taps, 185 BPM, 16th notes. No. Yeah. You know, so next, next day, maybe you can get up to 185 just playing it clean and then, then by – Two sessions after that, well, now you're at 190, you're at 195, and you're starting to really get a good, clean look at how you can progress. You know, maybe not so quickly, but as long as you're, as long as I'm making some kind of progress, at least every third session, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, but that's really what I'm trying to do right now. Not some of the stuff I would have tried to do before, like playing some of the cool stuff that I've gotten off Mike Johnson's website or you know YouTube. Yeah. These kind of cool linear hand-to-hand patterns, but just like it's time to go back and clean up the old single stroke. I've always been pretty good with doubles, even when I'm lazy with them, but like paradiddles, I think I'd mentioned to you, I never really used it. Yeah. And I, after today's like hour and a half on the pad, I came in here and like I said, I noticed from going from the pad to the snare, I was like, Oh wow, that, that pad is pretty accurate. Cause I don't feel much difference between the two. And I was doing what I was typically doing. I think I was just doing, Three over two, so hand, 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 kick, kick, hand, hand, kick, kick, bumping up the speed every time. And then I was like, wait a minute. And I just started playing a beat, like 90 BPM, 100 BPM, and I just started doing paradiddle fills mixed between, like, the rack and the snare, and then I'd go, like, snare to floor tom and then try to fold it all in. And for the first time in a while, I was like, wow, these are coming out clean. You're landing on the one. And 
what I would mark is when you really have got something down, you know this, you don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. Now I'm like staring at the ceiling and boom, boom, and I was like, oh, now you're getting somewhere. I wouldn't say you've got it. Yeah. But I now I feel like I was getting somewhere because I, I, that's always with me when I'm practicing something. I know I'm getting really good progress when it's like, I'm not going. By that time, I'm like, look at the roof. Oh, there's a bug on the roof. But I'm still playing yeah. in time. So that is at least how it's been working for me. So if, if I would give any advice at the outset of this argument or discussion. discussion. Yeah. Journal what you're doing. Just get it like a, there are 88 cents at Walmart, probably 56 cents at Menards. Get yourself a pad. And, you know, Mike would know this. Any of the guys that do this stuff, either slightly for a living or have done it professionally. Um, and any of you watching, you'll know this stuff really works best when you know what your weakness is, not what yeah. your strengths are. I know mine was paradiddles and singles. So that's what I really started hammering a lot of. And that little notepad really lets me know with my funky little coded language with pluses and minuses and hashtags. I know what was good, what was not good. So the next day when I come in, I know exactly what to work on, you know, looking at my grip, making sure everything's good. And then hopefully every couple of sessions that number gets bumped up. Yeah. You know, and then you can play with all the other stuff. But, you know, how do you approach I guess your daily practice routine. So mine is different than yours. Um, so since you're starting to like shocker. A, yeah. So since you're starting to get ground zero and kind of going way back up, I have been in the process of I like a couple of different things and I, I kind of swap it up a little bit just to, I guess to kill the monotony. Cause I, I come from practicing how you would, Anything marching, you have your yeah, exercise, yeah, you, have, you have your exercises, and you just burn through them until they're clean. Um, so, like my current hiccups I've currently going on is my left hand Swiss Army triplet. Yeah, my so I've noticed that my left hand the triplet loses and it goes into a double, and so that's what my big thing is doing. And I've been mostly working through the motion of figuring out where am I, like at what. Like what am I doing technique wise? Do you do the thing? And I find this is helpful for me um, when I was doing paradiddles. Um, left hand, obviously, most of us are right handed, so the left hand is the problem. I would get to 135, 140 BPM, and I'm playing, and it's starting to get a little sloppy. And I found, I mean, I know you know this, this is really probably more for their benefit to take the other practice pad and set it off to the side and then start playing it split handed. Yep. So then you can really hear, or if you I use my tear thigh. your leg up, yeah, yeah I, I using use your leg. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you don't know this, but that was something that really helped me a lot uh, when doing stuff like that. And it was for the paradiddle for me. And then I got to hear the left side and they mentioned it in like a hundred different videos. They tell you to do that. And I never really tried it. And until I did, I was like, Oh, that's super helpful. Because it's really, it's super helpful. When, especially when you get to like, Flams in with grace notes, yeah, yeah, or anything with like very small, minute inner beats to make sure it's landing where it needs to be. Um, the only time I'd say anything you know, that gets a little weird if you're doing anything like orchestral, yeah, yeah where yeah. and that and that's a but ca classical playing is a whole different side. Like, um, Adam Neely has a really cool thing he talks about, uh, it might have been Adam Neely, or there's one of those guys in his circle talk about the difference between classical orchestral players, how they count and feel time compared to other people. Cause it's a whole different way. Um, well, and I, I had a, I watched a guy explain it one time that 
can't remember if you said it's a behind or ahead of the beat, but the conductor is not on time. No. Because everybody has to see what he's doing, so he's almost leading you, so I guess he's probably ahead of the beat. Um, so like you said, it's different for them. It's not like it's a metronomic universal yeah. count across the entire stage for, what, 200 people. Yeah. You know, it's too big. So, yeah, you're right. The, even the way they feel time has got to be different than what we think as one, two, three. And four. a lot of their, if I'm not... If I'm mistaken, someone correct me. A lot of I believe their stuff is, is that it's um it's all about phrasing, yeah. and, and you follow the phrasing and how everything goes with that as like your internal rhythm or whatever compared to how we would do it. Um, yeah. But my current practice routine, uh, I put on right now. I'm back and watching Critical Role from the beginning again. Um, that's a really nerdy. It's a bunch of voice <laughs> a bunch of voice actors play D and D. Uh, but they're all like in video games and stuff. Anyway, so I put that on and I'm watching them and then I have my pad in front of me and I go through and I have a very basic warm up, started with singles and then I go into doubles and then back to singles, making sure they're even. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. So I go through that um, and then I play a couple of like flam exercises from my college years um, and then I just start working what I got to work on, which is yeah. left hand and what I'll do, I play a lot of open, close, open. And what open, close, open is, is that you start slow, you go up to like your maximum, you hold it there for as long as, you, for not as long as you can, but until it's, once you know it's getting dirty, then you come back down to your original starting slow tempo. Yeah. And I do that to like one gauge endurance and then two, like zero, my, my. You see how good you are. Yeah. I love doing it with doubles. See how clean you can go from actually pushing out both strokes to that all critical switch over where you switch to rebound mm -hmm. and I mess it up most of the time, but it's still fun. It's like, it's almost like the drummers video game. Yeah. How clean are those double strokes from, you know, whatever to whatever, or, or you know, any stroke. Yeah. Uh, it's always a fun little, uh, test. And so I, I've been going through that. And then once I do that, I'll shake my hands, make sure I'm good. And then I literally just play Swiss army triplets and I'll play until I hear, yeah, I hear it going from da 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 da. Once it turns straight, I stop. Yeah, yeah. And then I go back again, and then I just I'll do that. And the way I normally been doing it since I've been watching that, so the the show's broken into two halves. Well, but it's like to even further going to your point. That's a great thing to do if you if you're good enough with the strokes to to pull it off. Just put a movie on, put a podcast on, and then I think what I love about it is. If I've got whatever under my hands, you know, that I'm working with properly memorized and muscle memorized, you don't realize by the end of the movie, you've been doing that the whole time. Yeah. It's, a, it's an hour and a half is the first segment of the show. So I do yeah. it. And do most it. movies are 90 minutes. So yeah. if you were to watch a movie or whatever, doing that, you're not bored because you're watching something. Because, I mean, we all admit, like, sitting at a kit just staring at the wall playing whatever gets boring. Yeah. But if you're watching a movie or whatever, listening to a podcast, you don't realize it's been two hours that you've been doing whatever. So that's always super helpful, and I do that like you pretty much daily. Yeah. I'll do it tonight once you leave. When, you, when you've when you gone and I've eaten or we've eaten, when it's time to get off the video game and actually watch some TV, set that pad up and just sit back and rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat while I watch, you know, the Equalizer 2. Yeah. You know, whatever I'm, <laughs> whatever for the day. It's like my current, like I said, my current thing is is playing Swiss Army's and getting that clean because um, it's been driving me nuts. And so a thing that I do that Steven doesn't do 
I play traditional grip when I'm playing jazz, or then I'll then I'll play match grip for anything else. But I've been trying to do more of playing traditional for everything, just because I don't want to lose it. Because I love playing traditional. It's so it, fun, and I'm so terrible at it. So I, I am jealous, and I would say don't, because it is so fun. But I'm terrible at it. I wish I had good left hand strength to be able to do it. So yeah, don't ever, don't ever lose that. So like, and and the big thing for me is, I'm having to like almost unlearn how I play traditional to a degree because I come from the marching background. So the left hand for us is you you i learned it traditionally and then i had to change it when i got to college because yeah, yeah. so in high school our drums were at a straight up 45 degree mega slant the way it's supposed to be then college it was slight slant so i had to drop my you drop the shoulder and you pick up the elbow and that's how you play it's the chicken wing it's this right here yeah um which makes no sense when you play no, traditional. No, it makes but, no sense. Yeah, but that's because it's for uniformity. And then whoever mentioned the other podcast that um, they were going to pretty much everybody playing um, matchstick and not even doing traditional script, uh, grip anymore, which yeah. I think is stupid. Because that's like a big part of the history that you lose. Uh, yeah. Now. So, I, so I've been working on trying to get my left hand to be more fluid around the kit. Yeah. And then, so it doesn't sound so stiff. That's the one of the biggest things I've noticed in my playing when I do play traditional well, on the snare drum, that's fine all day long because yeah. that's, that's my comfort zone. Yeah. But once the left hand comes out to the rack or the floor, it's a whole different. Yeah. And I and I lose because it's because when you're playing traditional, you come from here. It's like a, it's from your try to get a frame. It comes from there, and then and this never moves. When you're playing snare drum, that's home base. You never go out. You never go to the side. You might come out. For like a ping or like a rim shot towards the outside, but you come back in. You're never going out forward to the front or yeah. or to the right or to the left if you're playing like some, you know, four times on the other on the other yeah. side. So my big things I've been practicing on is one fluidity with both grips, but mostly it's for me it's been like very small, minute things that I've been yeah. going through and drilling on. Because I'll go through and I'll do the paired little pyramid. Yeah, yeah, which is always yeah. super fun. But I would agree with you, like. Uh, like you said, with the little tiny things, like finding those little weak, tiny little spots that are probably holding you back bigger than what you think is holding you back, yeah. like not practicing or not having a hand strength when it's really like something that could be adjusted in the grip or, like you said, cleaning up those doubles on the Swiss Army triplets on the left-hand side. Um, and then, like I said, kind of take what he was saying on the technical side and pair it with what I do and really let yourself honestly know what the problem is. Yeah. Because I'm sure all of us are really great at like, no, don't want to see it. Yeah. Don't want to see it. I don't want to work on it. But, you know, if you do that, I think you'll have a lot more success with, you know, however y'all do your practicing, you know, so that that's kind of how we do it, at least what we do now on a daily basis. Before I get to the second question I have for you, have they chimed in a little bit on what we're talking about? Uh, Dakota asked, how long do you practice per tempo? How do you know when they're good or not good? Do you do them in phrases or just kind of go till you get tired? And then he goes, at Steven. Um, uh, let's say single stroke. Um, and like I said, at a, at a certain pace, I'm not just doing single stroke. It would be single stroke or actually flam tap, single stroke, double stroke, pair diddle at 
let's say 90 BPM. And I want to do, like you said, I want to fluidly change from flam tap to a single stroke, to a double stroke, to a paradiddle, back down to double stroke, back down to single stroke, back down to flam. And they should all just hear like da 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 You shouldn't hear like a hard accent on the paradiddle. Yeah. The pair. Or you shouldn't hear like a really loud tap on the flam. I guess what they, they and then, you know, the, the masters drill that too. You should be able to play all those fluidly so it just sounds like the whole way through. Yeah. And like we said earlier, Dakota, that's what I try to do. It, it probably only takes three or four minutes on a single stroke at a single uh, speed. Yeah. So if about third, fourth minute of me playing that single stroke at 80 BPM, I've probably started dozing off and I'm looking somewhere else, but I'm still playing it correctly. That's when I know, okay, now switch to doubles. And the first thing I would do would gauge how clean was the transition. And then the four strokes into that double stroke, how level does it sound? Did I go from da 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 And when I switch to doubles, do you hear like da-da-da-da? Do you hear? Yeah. So I want it to be clean. So I would say it's about a few minutes on a single stroke at a single speed, then change to the other stroke, judge the transition, and then same thing three or four minutes or whatever. Yeah. Longer, shorter. And then I just go up and down singles, doubles, paradiddles, back down to doubles, back down to singles. And when I feel comfortable, it's like, okay, I'll stop. And then like you said, get up, grab a drink, kind of move around just a second, just, you know, 30, 40 seconds, sit back down. Now we go to hundred BPM. Yeah. And then a one ten, then a one twenty, And then like I said, as I get higher and higher where my comfort level starts shrinking, then it might be five BPM. Yeah, 155, 160, one, you know, and then just inch it up until you know you can't do it anymore. And then I write a little hashtag above it, and that was my ceiling for the day. And what you do is what I always preach, and I'm, I'm glad you do it. I always say bump up 10 clicks. If 10 clicks is too much, bump it down yeah. by five. It, if that's... five is too much, bump up two. It's not like it's a, what are you, competing with yourself? Yeah, that's it's it. Not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It could be one BPM every time. It's still faster. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's kind of the way um, I approach it. Um, anybody else before we... Uh, then Dakota oh. has an next part after that. Um, okay. He goes, do you guys learn songs because you want to in your practice routines also? Let me read that again. Do you guys learn songs because you want to in your practice routines also? That's one of those things I'm really trying to get more into because I never, I was never really that person to learn songs. I think you can get trapped in the hole of learning for me you can get trapped in that hole of learning songs that will not serve you at all. Um, oh, I've been practicing for two hours and I capped it off with 45 minutes of a song that's at seven. Okay, yeah, it's great to be playing odd meters. When, for me, yeah. in a cover band, when am I going to be playing seven? It's not going to happen. Not that I shouldn't work on it, but I'm definitely not going to focus on it. So I think you don't want to get trapped in that, that, uh, that that rabbit hole of learning a bunch of stuff that's only cool to you or you learn this big fill and you know it's never going to go in anything so you can serve your own interests but i think for me if i'm going to work on a song but i want it to be challenging i would say like pick a song that pushes some kind of specific pattern at a high speed or maybe it's a slower song that has a really intricate pattern funky drummer being the, the perfect example yeah. um that's not the most complicated beat, but played at the tempo that that song is played at and to play it clean with constant 16th on the hi-hat. Yeah. One-handed. 
that was tough for me to start. Once I got into it, I was like, okay, this is a little bit easier, but it wasn't easy. Um, so that's how I try to push it with learning songs. And then the other half of the time, I'm just playing like Mike Malone, like 90s stuff that's nostalgic. Yeah. Where I'm just flailing about and because I know the song. Yeah. Now, when I come to um, doing things like that, Dakota, when I learn a song, I have a couple different approaches. So what Steven said, you know, learning a song in 7-4, you never get, you never get to play it. I use stuff like that for me as to getting more comfortable with my internal rhythm and clock. Yeah, yeah. So I use it. I use stuff like that as just to be more comfortable with knowing. Yeah, I might have to have never play in seven four or whatever or seven eight. And it's like, but if I get called and I messed it up when I did get called to play Heart of Glass. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to. Well, but you're right, though, because I specifically this week started working with the three over two pattern. Yeah. Right, left, right, kick, kick. That's not an even stroke. So you're going to have to learn. And I had to learn at slow tempo first. Just how do you feel that pulse of the fives coming around? Um, so you're right in that. Yeah. If, if I had I wasn't do, I was just doing it to a metronome. But had I been doing it with a song, I would have been doing it for that very reason. Just so I can get my own clock under my, you know, under my thought process and like feel the pulse, because like I've now gotten to the point where I can land that fill on one, but it's not on autopilot yet. Yeah. I'm not staring at the ste- the ceiling, so it probably would behoove me, like you're talking about, and to answer his question, to put a song on that's at 95 BPM would be a comfortable speed where I know it's not too fast, yeah. and try to do that fill over and over and over again, just so the pulse feels right. And I always landed on that one. So I can see why you do it that way. Yeah, because a big thing for me is just to be able to be more comfortable with whatever um, situation. Um, and he says, since we are doing the cover band thing. So I use that just to be more well-rounded yeah. in a situation. Um, and even though, unlike Stephen, I like to listen to complicated music and to learn weird things just to grow as a player. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get a lot of like my groove and and fills, so to speak, mm-hmm. and everything. It's from listening to that and then trying to replicate it. Yeah. Or um a big thing that when I'm learning a song is is what I had to do whenever I was in jazz band playing anything Latin. So like Latin music, there's traditionally not a drum set player. The drum set player is mocking yeah. 16 different guys. Yeah. You got a guy in the back that's playing uh, a huero, you know, huero, chicka, doon, chicka, doon, chicka, doon. You got a bongo player, mm-hmm. you know, dun, kadakun, dat, kadakun. Congo player's going, ungu, daku, ungu, gung, gung. You got a guy playing bells in the back going, bang, gang, da, gang, 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 gang. I mean, you got all these different sounds and textures going on. And you're and just trying to mimic that. Really. Yeah, you're, you're trying to find, well, what's the most important parts that these guys are playing? And in those styles of music, there is like a definitive, like, this is what you have to have no matter what goes on. You know, if they have a guy playing Wero, it's like, all oh, I play is Wero, but like, no, if I'm the guy that wants to play Congos too, it's like, because yeah. that part's more important to move the band than it is yeah. to have, you know, these horns playing. All you hear is cha, chicka, cha, chicka, cha. That's not that important. Yeah, where the conga might be playing more of a melody line, or whatever, yeah. Yeah. which might weigh more on. The overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so like you know, from that point, like I'm 
going through and thinking, okay, so I'm, that's what I'm playing. Now you get to like a cover band like playing rock stuff. Well, what if the track has, you know, you got this straight up standard, you know, rock beat, but then you have a guy that's like overdubbed some like eighties, some like eighties toms. Like my favorite thing to think about is "Give It to Me, Baby" by Rick James. <laughs> And you, you're probably thinking, well, that's just, you know, give it to me, baby. Give it to me. Digga, digga, doom. Well, the drum, the high part never stops playing during that. Mm-hmm. But you have those drums that overdub on top of it. And so I like to go through and try to be able to play the backbeat, keeping the two and four going. The challenge of the keeping challenge. both parts in. Yeah. So you don't know, you're not cutting anything out. So when I sat in for you for um, those few gigs, mm-hmm. I tried to learn those songs to the record. Yeah. And whatever other bits and parts are part of it to try to make it as 100% whole and as close to I could get it to like what would the people yeah. in the audience like, you know, oh, I hear Jesse's girl on the radio. It's like, and that one guy or lady, whoever's out there, might be waiting for that one fill as their favorite. True. You know, so I'm gonna be like, I wanna be able, you know, mm-hmm. to service not just the song, but also the people listening who have a preconceived idea, not just the groove. Yeah. But also the fills or the little, little things bits. that would stand out. Yeah, because I think because part of like it's like it's the sprinkles on a cupcake. Yeah, you got the yeah you got the dough, you got your frosting, but something about that little bit on top is always looks more way more enticing. Yeah, because I change a lot of the fills. Like after you play Jesse's Girl, perfect example. You play yeah. Jesse's Girl for about five years, you're not going to be playing it the same way you started out playing. Yeah, but there's two things that I do in that song. That are like the record, when the everybody drops out, and it's just the do ka 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 do. Uh, I forget the part of the song what they're singing, but like the where everything the band drops out, and it's the vocals and the drums. I try to do that like the record, and there's a hit in the middle of the bridge during the guitar the guitar solo that's very noticeable if you listen to Jesse's Girl like the record, um, where the crashes just go ja 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 ja. Um, so I try to do those two things. The rest of it, I'm not trying to play it like the record. But like you said, I try to keep at least those two things because those are like the most notable things in my ear when you hear that. Yeah. You know, or, and, and there's something for every song, but I will admit after <laughs> yeah. eight, nine, 10, 15 years of doing, give me one reason, I don't play it. Like yeah, you got to spice it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, any more, uh, any more comments? Let's see. Um, Mike Malone. There's a few situations where there are these odd meters and pop like the Beatles don't let me down. You don't yeah. want to be that guy at the jam that doesn't know there's an extra beat before the verse. Just like when you play Heart of Glass. <laughs> in my defense, there's two different versions. It's and fine. No, it's- I, 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 then I then it was and then because I was because I, I get so upset with Matt because he's always like. Are you sure you know the song? Go to get Big Dead Steven in black. Yes, Matt, I know the song. <laughs> and you, you're like, <laughs> and you were so like hell bent that you had it perfect. And I was like standing there, not judgmentally watching, but just like, just like, okay, he'll get, he'll get it right. He'll nail it. Because <laughs> well, there's, there's another you version. Basically, just yeah. flipped him. Yeah, That's there's it. another version where they do it another go. <laughs> and the part that made me angry was like the Sunday before that, y'all played it. I was like, oh, they're playing Heart of Glass? Cool. And then I was talking with him with Brennan. And Brennan's like, all right, JT, you know what's going on? I'm like, yes, Brennan. I'm like, da na na da da na 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 da da na na yep. He's like, <laughs> you know. And I do it. I have to remind yeah. myself all the time, even though, like Mike said, I, I don't use that stuff in pop. There are occasions. Yeah. 
Heart of Glass, Barracuda. Yeah. There are songs that have three counts, five counts. Um, I had to ask your help for uh, Higher Love by yeah. Steve Winwood. It was, uh, what we figured out was like seven. a seven count on yeah. one of those. Um, just because I kept, I couldn't figure out, is this a five or is this a, I couldn't land it. And then, you know, so yeah, you do have to work that stuff because you're not always going to be in just straight four. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Even if it's just a, like a, even if it's a two count turnaround. Yeah. Still, they might throw someone off thinking there's going to be two more. That's like the full break, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is very helpful. You're right to uh, make sure you're good on everything, even though you don't use it all the time. Um, and then Ben Dixon says, true, as the only electric guitar player at church, I have to build composite parts all the time. Yeah. And, and, and you know, kind of wrap all that big thought up into one thing that you can do to get that idea across. Yeah. And then Dakota says, yeah, you were way confident on that. Well, because I... Had, you knew the version you knew, yeah. And you and and if that had been the version they played, you would have nailed it. Yeah, because I think I, I think I might have learned like the single version. And had you done that, I would not have had to have pelt you with candy from the floor. Yes, I got smacked with Starburst <laughs> repeatedly. Um, let's see. Richie said, "Loading the song note for note first, totally pays tribute to the artist and gives you an opportunity to learn something, changing a few things to add your own personality." Or make older songs more contemporary friendly. Old recordings may not translate. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great, easy way to put it. Um, uh, don't stop believing. Perfect example. Um, go if you don't know and you got to learn to play that song. You go online and just type in drum cover. <clears throat> don't stop believing by Journey, and you'll find out of that million videos that are up, you'll find a couple of guys that play it very correctly. And I found when I learned it because I didn't want to. I knew. The phrasing of how it's, you know, doom, cat, doom, floor, doom, cat. But that's not all it is. Yeah. That's the general gist of the whole thing. But I was like, and then I found a guy that broke it down really easy. And he's like, look, this is the first bar of, and then we'll do the little bell. So I had it. And now I generally stick to that beat, the beat, just because like Richie said, um, pay tribute to Steve Smith, who came up with a cool, yeah, you know, Fairly easy to play, but sounds cool. Intricate little drum beat. Some of those other songs, I've lent more on. Now I try to make them my own. And yeah. I mean, when I say I played Give Me One Reason every way you could play it, I played it fast, I played it slow, I played it funky, I played it swung, I played it punk, I played it country, I played <laughs> it dark, I played it mean, I played it aggravated, I played <laughs> it perfectly happy just playing the beat that's supposed to be played there. Yeah. So, yeah, some of them you can play with. Um, and then, like Richie said, some of them you do want to play. Like when we play, um, and neither of us do it perfectly clean because we just started playing it, but when we play the police song. Yeah. Um, even though we're not doing all of the cool little intricacies like uh, Stuart Copeland is doing, you still have to play that main phrasing right so it mm. sounds like yeah. Roxanne. Yeah. Um, you were quicker to it than I was, but now I feel finally comfortable with it. And all I have to do is start working in that Tom part on yeah. the second verse. Um, but a fun beat to play. Yeah. Nice little off time when you come out of the uh, each line of the verse. Um, I don't see how he does it without counting loudly on the hi-hat. Yeah. Like every time I try to do it internally, you know, blah, 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 rock. I can't do it without literally hitting the hi-hat. If I rely on my chest to tell me when I always come in like, just a sixteenth behind, the, or 
on the on the hits the dun, 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 no 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 when you come out of each line oh. of the verse you know rocks i always mess it up so and both of us have i've noticed both of us count we don't pause we both count with the hi-hat because i know i don't trust myself to i mostly do that for the other two I'm not I gonna, do it for eh, me. I do it for both of them because I because the last thing I want is 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 this right here. Yeah, you don't yeah. want the angry stare. Yeah, I don't want angry um, Matt throwing. But up. It, you know that that was one of those songs that that's kind of the one of the ones you have to kind of play. Yeah, at least mostly. Like the feels can be different, but you got to hit that that feel of that song. Um, Otherwise, so, no one's gonna know what's true, going on. Yeah, true. So, um, let's see. Else? Mike goes, I love teaching. Oh, hang on. Uh, that Mike got me to a T. Sounds like Jared's the guy at the jam that uses, oh, I only know the live version card when he, <laughs> met, uh, when he misses it. <laughs> it goes, LOL, JK. All love, Jared. Gosh, I got, I mean, I'm sorry. Gosh, gosh, but gosh, I got that one wrong. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You hit the nail on the head. Uh because sometimes, like I know when I filled them for you, I think Matt was we play like the live version. I was like, "You guys don't play the record one." He's like, "No." There's I was so like, much to keep up with, and I know, and there's like sixteen. There's so much to keep up with. I was like, "Oh, you play do you go? You play the the one song, but it's swung, but we play it straight." Okay. Yeah. But the straight <laughs> one's now swung. Okay. It's uh, it's fun. It's 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 the ultimate challenge. Yeah, it's the deep cut from uh from the Allstate Farm jam band. Yeah, uh, really? Yeah, you it was, didn't it was know a private party for 16. It's like, you know, there's like a bootleg recording from Mike <laughs> in the back, you know. That's all you get. Um, then Mike says, I love teaching lessons since it gives me a chance to write tunes out as close as I can to the original. I Oh, yeah, for sure. Whenever I was going through uh, lessons with Sherrod, he drilled into me uh, learning a song lick for lick, note for note, don't cheating, and I asked him why. He's like... It's like to get out of your muscle memory to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, he's like, I don't want you to go on autopilot. I want you to be able to be actively thinking through this entire thing. Is and then once you get done, you should be able to just play it on autopilot. Which then. is probably the the greater theme. If you can do it perfectly, you're not practicing. Yeah. If you can play it, blasting at two hundred, and you don't have to think about it, like you're not practicing. You're warming up. You yeah. need to be at two twenty or two thirty. Yeah. Or if you can play in four, amazingly. And you're zoning off. Well, then you need to be in five, or seven, or what? What you? Yeah. If, if you can do it perfectly, and I do it all the time, I'll be sitting here after I've warmed up on the pad and kind of messing around, and I'll be, and I'll have to tell myself, "You're just doing stuff you know how to do. This is not. Yeah. We're not growing right now. Yeah. You know, let, work on whatever I was doing today, and I was like, you, this is not serving anything. You need to be playing the triplet shuffle because I'm not that great at that. So yeah. Stopped, took a breathe, and then just started whacking away at it and i got more out of that 15 minutes than me just like regurgitating whacking the same, around the kid yeah yeah same five years of of yeah. of knowledge for 30 <laughs> minutes going yeah i'm good yeah I'm like all right we'll play that i don't know how to play that well then why don't you practice that <laughs> yeah. then all right cool good point mike uh yeah we all need to get away from that uh richie said playing don't stop believing note for note is a great example love steve and that open-handed groove nice mention uh count with the hi-hat for the band if they don't want it Tap your heel, Billy Ward style. That's right. But singers in keeping time, meh. Or drum speak. Yeah. He goes, yeah, Sarat is rad and right. Playing at the comfort of your limbs is playing for your limbs, not the song. Um, 
Spencer says, how to deal with singer frontman that isn't motivated to write lyrics or put on a show. You fire them. That's just, right. No, just kidding. Um, I would say you just got to start doing it yourself. I mean, and then our, our fine, because every person is different. Like, I know with my band, for original music, um, I am lucky that Tom is always motivated to write lyrics. Well, and what I try to do, and it feeds off of what you're talking about, vomit, and I do mean vomit, your enthusiasm onto them. If Jarrett's yeah. unmotivated, I will try and find something I can do or that I'm currently working on where they go, hey, that's cool, man. And you don't, you never know when you're going to be, you know, I'm always looking for my muse. Yeah. Somebody that drives me to want to practice or somebody that plays and I go, oh, that's cool. I'm going to go learn that or that idea. But you never know when you're, and you may not even realize you're doing it. Whatever you're doing is inspiring the person next to you to go, oh, yeah, he's coming up on that up hit every two bars and or whatever. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a big thing too. You know, you got to realize that you can be just as good of an effect on them. So like I said, vomit your enthusiasms onto that person. Yeah. And maybe that will help motivate kick or, his butt or inspire. In, yeah. yeah. And if not, like Jared said, fire him. You know. Yeah, just fire. Just, just fire him. <laughs> just fire everybody. Yeah. Just just do the old uh Get an SPDSX and play your own music just you. One man show. Yeah. Him. Just just fire. Him. <laughs> just, just just do the just do the James Brown. Just fire him. Yeah, five. 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 <laughs> um No, but uh by put on a show I'm not quite sure. Do you mean just like being able to, like you're having fun playing the gig, or what was it? The second part of the comment? yeah. You said how do you deal with a singer slash frontman that isn't motivated to write lyrics or put on a show? If he's not motivated to write lyrics, I would say start writing your own. Maybe that might yeah. help him because I know a lot of the writing for lyrics with m my band. I will send Tom stuff that I've written. Yeah, he'll be like, oh, that's cool. He goes, I like that part. He'll take yeah. part of it, and yeah. then he'll morph it around. He goes, what do you think about that since I use it? I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Totally was down thing. for it. You know, you got to bounce stuff off. I think if you put all of it on one person, it now becomes more of a burden for them to bear. I think it's now becomes more of a job, and you lose part of the fun that is playing yeah. music. Which is, at the end of the day, what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So I would say, uh, I said, I know. It's almost like his confidence isn't there. Oh, well, then that's, that's where a, I think that's where you can come in as a player and, like I said, vomit your enthusiasm onto them and let them know that you've got their back on stage. Yeah. You know, and let them. <clears throat> here's a really big thing. And I used to I used to hound people that I played with. You know, when somebody does something cool or is doing a really good job that night, tell them. Uh, Amber did it to me while we were in AJ's <clears throat> second night. Into the first set, she was like, just, we, you know, everybody's getting off the stage, go get a, a Coca-Cola or whatever, just hang out till the next set. And she's like, you sound really good tonight. Which she just meant in a passing, normal compliment. Like, hey, man, you sound really good tonight. But for me, that was like, oh, I am? So I came back into the next set with my confidence boosted even more and played even better. So I would say a big thing you can where you can get more out of somebody is just when they do something great, don't be Mr. Cool like it, yeah, whatever, man. That was all right. Tell them because I tell know. them like, no, nah, man, that was the coolest fill I've heard you do all night. Keep that up, and then that will, you know. Yeah, because that uh, you saying that that helped me a lot when I sat in for you because I was super nervous coming in to fill your shoes because I've you've been playing with Noonan for forever. Yeah, and I know whenever a 
a drummer and a bass player are locked together, it's magic and it's hard to to be able to vibe with someone immediately and be like, yeah. like you know, it just gel instantly. Um, so whenever we played a little bit, and Nina was like, it's like really good. You like we're playing. Yeah, yeah. And that that little that fist bump alone, I was like, he it's does worth it, a million. He points. doesn't hate me. My anxiety yeah. started to melt away, and then we played um, a Duran Duran tune, and Mike was like, it's like the record. And I was like, yes. I was like, I'm doing the job. What's, what's usually small cost for you to do, usually weighs ten times on the person that receives that compliment yeah. or that they're like, oh. And then it, the whole thing balloons. They're in a better mood. You're in a better mood. And that's how you get those really good nights on stage. Yeah. Um, everybody has to be having a good time and feel like they're safe in yeah. that, you know, in that I got your back. If you mess up, it's fine. I'm going to keep going. Vice versa. Uh, I got you on the hits, you know, blah, blah, blah. When all of that finally clicks in, then you get those nights where you're like, Dude, I mean, it's the, it's the magic. It's whatever. Yeah, that's it's, yeah, yeah. That's the magic. Unless you get that that you, I call it the musicians high. When everyone is like on the same wavelength, yeah. and it's like you're one person. Like everything's locked in, and it's 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 a very kind of almost out of body experience a little bit because it's yeah, like like you're watching yourself, yeah, or watching the band, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 definitely with you on that. That was a good point. Uh, and then. Richie says, fire everyone until you're happy. YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> he goes, uh, goes, oh, man, especially when you're doing work you don't want to do. If you're making pizzas, having someone tell you you're doing a great job yeah. making pizzas, free medicine. Yeah. And then uh, Dakota goes, I call that catching the Holy Ghost. There you go. Yeah. I turned uh, Dakota on the ride home from... Uh, uh, Pineapple Willies uh, recently. Yeah, Bamboo Willies, yeah, in Pensacola, and uh, he was like, he was like, he's like Nelson. I mean, I'm not trying to like get into your shit here, but you never listen to music in the car. Sometimes you listen to podcasts, and I was like, well, I mean, usually when all three of us get into the car, some kind of conversation sparks. So. Yeah, and usually you don't realize it till two hours later, and you're almost at the gig. And so I was like, it's not that I'm like not, but I was like, but I'll put on some music. We'll listen to what I want to listen to, and yeah, uh, we got into. Um, Darius, uh, d- the days I was lucky enough to play with the great Darius, um, he had turned me on to some gospel that contains some of the best playing. It's like, uh, I think Coleman is on Chris one. Coleman. Yeah, I think he's on one record, and the other guy is, um, what's the, what's the guy? I was just talking about him, the Pearl guy that, that did the Stavecraft video, um, Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Anyway, another big gospel, and and uh, and and I was like, <laughs> I let him hear. And you know, these are like highly orchestrated songs. Yeah, multiple parts, three and four bridges, crazy over the bar fills, and <laughs> we got done with about three songs. I was like, cool, huh? He goes, dude, I felt like I couldn't breathe after those songs because <laughs> they are like for the drummers. It's like. High BPM, crazy chops blasting every other couple of bars. And he, that's just gonna, I'm going to forever remember that. He's like, Dude, I couldn't even breathe. I was like, that make you want to go to church right there. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> that was my little last little thing with Dakota. Let's see. Uh, Richie, I rarely listen to music in the car as well. It's just it's just rude. A bike ride these days, but kisses to Darius, by the way. Oh, man. I wish oh, I, I just ride a bike these days. I'm like, what is it rude to a bike? I ride a bike these days. <laughs> Sorry. 
I don't know. Just most of the time, and at least for me, a lot of times now, um, with the Drum History podcast, with the thirteenth, whatever it's what is that the podcast called? The third floor with Leo Sidron, where he interviews primarily drummers. I'm just so interested in what's going on. I never think about listening to music unless it's time to like I need to learn a song. Yeah, they want to learn. Um, what do they want to learn? Uh, they just texted to me the other day. They want to learn. Um, something I think it's a typical four, you know, four on the floor beat, but it might have some interesting changes. So I definitely need to go listen to whatever they were texting me about the other day. So there are some things I'm going to have to spend some time in the car because that's at least 20 minutes every day when I go to Rachel's where that's like I can get the song in my head and start prepping for when I come here to practice it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dakota is right a lot of the time. Just listening to podcasts. But I got some crazy gospel stuff for you. That's right. In the car, I I listen to different things because um, you know that my breadth of oh yeah uh, music wide. taste is wide. Um, but I do go on these weird kicks, and a lot of it is like right now. There's two songs I and I listen to one on the way to work for the whole twenty minute. I'll repeat it for twenty minutes, yeah. and then the way back to work, I play a different one. I do that. That's okay too. <laughs> Um, you can listen to a song eight times in a row. That's totally okay. Yeah, and so the two songs I list I've been listening to are uh, one's embarrassing, one is not. So one is "I Thought It Was You" by Herbie Hancock. Um, not embarrassing. Uh, the second one is "Ooh, It's Kind of Crazy" by Soul Decision. I don't know why, <laughs> but it's extremely catchy, and I like listening to it for like the different. And it's a big like George Michael as kind of tune, yeah, yeah. like his later stuff. So I like George Michael, um, but I just like how the whole orchestration of the it does pieces. not matter. Yeah, I Do just not like, feel bad. Oh, I just I think it's because anyone who go out and listen to these two tunes, it's like I definitely want you to like figure out like now what about this tune is making Jared listen to it eight times, which in a I row. would be doing the same thing if I was like. I, I would do it with like listening to a Levon Helm tune to get that cool Levon sound, and then the next thing I know, I got something off the Goofy movie soundtrack, a Disney movie. Yeah, uh, because it's got some great drum beat with a great bass line. Um, so you know, don't ever apologize for. Yeah, there's some horrible stuff in my iPhone as well as some really cool artsy, but there's also equally terrible. Yeah, terrible cringy stuff. But if you like it, you like it. Yeah. Man. Well, I'm trying to always draw inspiration. Yes. For why not? For not just writing with my band, but also as my playing. And I've been trying to do it. Um, this guy break broke down on practicing listening for. Yeah, yeah. Like, I do not like CCM. Christian contemporary music. Nobody does. Not um, even the Christians. I don't like it. I don't like the blues. You know that. You know that too. I know, and I, I will forever hound you for not liking <laughs> the blues and living in Mississippi. It's where the blues was born, and somebody just coincidentally put out a video about the importance of blues. And I'm going to find it in my feed. <laughs> I'm going to get the link and send it to you, where you can learn to love the blues. And I don't know how you don't love the blues. Don't you like sounded so damn good playing it the other night with the hippies that rolled into town. You sounded great. Oh, but I don't <laughs> like the blues. <laughs> I I don't know. 
I just don't like it. Well, you sound a good play in it, so obviously it's something that requires a little bit of attention, Jarrett. Well, those guys were really good. Uh-huh. To me, it, it didn't feel like I was playing so the you, Blues. So, no, you know, not that you don't like the Blues. You just only like it when you're playing with good players. I, maybe that might be yeah. it. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's the missing link. Maybe the that's Blues it. is all right, Jarrett. You live in Mississippi. You have to like it. But it just talks about how do you train your ear to listen to different things you normally don't listen to and how you learn to like something. Yeah, because like, somebody um, I was listening to the other day said whatever, whatever their practice routine, the, there was 35 minutes in there where they just, n- no playing, just listening. And the yeah. guy was like, wait, not even, he's like, no, I'm just listening to the tune. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Because he talked about how do you how do you learn or practice listening to music you don't like. And it's like, and there's like, a, it's like a three-part thing between like uh, – the rhythm, the harmony, and then there's another third aspect. And each style has like waves more in one, and then slight second one. The third one's never there. Yeah. Um, like R and B is the oh, it's it's, it's harmony, rhythm, and then melody. Mm-hmm. And certain music, it's it's heavy on one or the other. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, so if you listen to a lot of like heavy melody driven like pop song, it's like. Listening to like Dream Theater, which is very rhythmic, rhythmic it's going to be kind of jarring. It's like, and so you got to like ease your way into more rhythmic stuff to then learn to like it. Yeah. And so I've been trying to put that in to my. And I should probably do that because I can't stand most of the music you like. I see it on Instagram like hashtag drummer. When that hits my feed and some dude doing a blast beat or just some crazy metal music, I like can't swipe away fast enough because it's like so aggravating to me. But it's for that very same reason. I'm, it's a jarring to me to hit where I could probably go with something a little lighter but heavier than what I listen to Yeah, that would prep me for Beyond the Buried in Me or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, just because I'm like, like, I literally do that sometimes <laughs> at the iPad. I'm like, Jesus Christ, hit mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but, you know, there there's something to be learned from Dream Theater or Between the Buried in Me or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's always something. They're not famous for no reason yeah you know they're obviously good you know um so anything else let's see uh dr mama says hall and oats make my dreams come true that's what it is hall and oats make my dreams come true very easy beat but there are some hits in there but like in the bridge or something i've got to i gotta go back and listen to it because i could probably get through the verses in the first couple of choruses but once it gets to the bridge or the whatever parts i don't know what the hits are so i'm gonna have to go listen to that i am prepping i promise i know that intro can maybe throw some people off because the way the guitar plays doom got doom got not the upbeat that's on two yeah yeah and so that's you go doom got doom got done good done and then and then it we have that the, yeah that Line coming into it, yep. it sets you straight. But if you're just coming out from the beginning, you would think that that's because I, well, I want to say the the piano plays a pickup, and three, one, two, three, four, and two. That kicks into the whole tune. I believe there's the a pickup note that goes into it. So what you're hearing is not one. That's like the and or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I um, noticed that the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, that's not. No, it didn't come in straight. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got to listen to that and make sure I get it get it down right. And then Dakota says, I do the same thing. My favorite recent artist is the Shags. Good. <laughs> my pal Foot Foot or my friend Foot Foot you kids and your crazy bands uh, they're old Stephen <laughs> they released a record in 1960 <laughs> you kids and your crazy music 
It's, it's the best worst record of all time. I'll have, I will have to check it out. Anything else? That's it. Sweet. Um, well, I guess if we're going to leave them with anything, um, my contribution to the universe would be simply be honest with yourself when you practice and write it down. Write 3, 13, 21, singles, 80 BPM, sucked terribly. And let yourself know. That way, when you're practicing, you can really single out your weaknesses and be honest with yourself as far as how you're progressing. And I think then you would notice your progression way more as you started building speed or strength or whatever. Um, so I, that would be my suggestion. Any suggestions from you? I would say don't dig too much into the minor details, but they do make a world of difference. So definitely Maybe don't break your back over the don't break heels, your yeah. do be aware of that's the little things that count. Now, don't break your back over the inner beats, but make sure they're even before you worry about heights. Anything like that. Just, yeah. You know, I would say start small, then go big. Yeah. And remember, yeah. we all suck at something when we first started. Yeah. Whether it be double bass drumming, whether it be a pop player that's learning swing or whether it's a good old R&B boy afraid of metal music. <laughs> we all suck at something <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's kind of just our take today on practicing how we do it. You know, and um, I know that I'm going to be heavily working on the basics from here for I, I, I kind of pretty much planned on all summer. Like just, I want to come out at the end of the summer and you literally be like, man, I noticed your singles, your doubles, your paradiddles, your flam taps, your flan accents, like all the core stuff is really sharp. And w I guess what would mean that they truly were sharp is somebody to say like, and I see you using them. Yeah. That's my goal for what I'm kind of counting as the whole summer. Like by the end of uh, July going into August, I'd like to see a noticeable improvement in the core. And which will only help with the kind of linear patterns that I'm lightly working on. Um, you got anything as far as like a plan for the short term, or are you just killing it anyway? Uh, my he's just killing it anyway. He doesn't no, practice. no, I I do, <laughs> I do. It's but you're from a different taking a different route. So mine is it's okay. It's like like mine's like small things. I'm just trying to get better at. I you're refining. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, refining. I'm not. I'm stripped down. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm trying yeah. to unlearn a bunch of stuff. <laughs> oh, super big thing before before we definitely get off. Learn it off the left. Yeah. Uh, learn it don't play only right-handed and learn it off the left. I made that mistake years ago learning the Swiss Army triplet, which I'm great at the right. Not Everyone so sucks the, the left. left. <laughs> Everyone sucks it's the left. Terrible. It's <laughs> the biggest thing I ever took away from Dr. Wooten and all of them when I was going through all that stuff in marching. Would play. We learned a. We had a whole cadence that we just learned how to play. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you know what Hurley said does? Play it off the left. Mm -hmm. What, sir? I know we just play spent two days. I know we just spent two days learning this together, and this is out of a five-day camp. But uh, you're gonna play it off the left now and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. All righty then. <laughs> and it was probably horrible, but it was probably the greatest thing that could have been done to you. Yeah. Some of us were locked in at a time, and then after that, we're just, it was bad. He's like, all right, what are you guys going to do when you get done tonight? Learn it off the left. Good job, boys. <laughs> Patted us on the back, and then we went to go eat That's lunch. The best part about <laughs> practicing and getting better is the sucking part. What does yeah. Mike Johnson say? Embrace the suck, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Embrace the suck. So hopefully that you know helped anybody that was thinking about it, and if not, at least just gives you an insight into what us idiots are doing, which is probably the same as everybody else. So 
you know, if you thought you were sucking, you probably aren't because we all kind of suck at the end of it. Um, we're all just working and trying to get better. But um, if you have any questions on how to not suck at something, uh, definitely don't feel scared. Write it in the comment section if you're brave. If not, you're more than welcome to DM me through the Facebook or my Instagram, which is J underscore R-A-T-T. I will give you tons of exercises from my marching days to work on basically everything. Yeah, don't be afraid. I ask him stupid questions all the time. Yep. Um, so that's going to kind of wrap us up for the week. Um, like Jarrett said, you can get him directly there on Instagram, and, or you can simply send messages through the Bearded Drums Facebook page. Simply search Bearded Drums on www.facebook.com. And like I say every week, please do remember that you can catch the audio-only version of the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Simply search Bearded Drums, and you can see us here live every Thursday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Hopefully we get to see all of you OG members every week and hopefully new people. There were, I noticed I did see a couple of new people, um, maybe Cosmo Kramer. And there was one guy toward the end that I didn't recognize his name when he did a comment. So I'm glad to see a couple of new people. Um, and, uh, actually there's been a couple that hadn't been coming for the past couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll get to see them here, Yeah, you know, soon. Um, so that wraps us up for the week. Um, thank you as always for hanging out with us. Um, probably next week, I think I'll try to get a hold of somebody. So we'll have another roundtable. Get the yeah. three, get three of us in here. Maybe it'll be Cedric. Maybe it'll be Phil. Uh, if Pat's available, we'll we'll get a hold of somebody and have a um, uh, a roundtable for next week because next week we'll be on one of the probably bigger topics. Yeah. Um, so anything you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? Nope. Uh, change your passwords. That's change, right. Change your passwords. Password security. Be safe with your yeah. online identity. Yeah. Uh, Jared is dealing with that right now. Yeah. So be safe when you're out there on the interwebs. But that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for Bearded Drums Live. And as I say every week, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, guys. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>